Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk Footnotes. I am Chris, one of your hosts, this week taking primary control in place of Damien, who's currently off dealing with some family concerns. And uh, it goes without saying that uh, our thoughts are with him and the family, of course, at this time. Um, but this week, uh, off the top of the show, first of all, uh, I'm going to list Damien's plugs as he is uh, on social media, really, uh, unlike myself. But the show sort of revolves around what he's up to. So you can reach him at DamienAbraham.com or on various forms of social media at Left for Damien. And I should mention Damien is spelled D-A-M-I-A-N, not E-N, as a lot of people think. And uh, you can reach, or sorry, rate, review, and subscribe to this show, as well as the regular Turned Out a Punk show, of course, uh, on iTunes. It's appreciated, or spread the word to your friends, if need be. And uh, we also have a Facebook page, which is operated by Damien's and show producer, Tristan Abraham, who's a lovely human, and shout out to him. And, of course, Turned Out a Punk also has Tumblr at turnedoutapunk.tumblr.com. And we can be reached here also at turnedoutapunkfootnotes at gmail.com. Wow, that was a lot to do. So, tonight, I am also joined by our special guests who frequently join the show and make it much better when they do. Uh, the Daves are in effect Starting off with, of course, no no order of importance, just Dave's. Dave's are equal on the show. And uh, Mr. Dave Martin, by way hey of there. Pittsburgh, hailing, or sorry, hailing from Pittsburgh by way of New York. And uh, also Mr. David Up Ackerman, hailing from the Garden State by way of Keep It Weird Austin. How are you doing, gentlemen? I'm doing very well. All right. I think I, yeah. I think I managed the intro without completely butchering it. I'm sure it was not as fluid as I would have liked, but I tried. I'm sure it, it really let, let down all the people that thought it was just going to be you talking to yourself for an hour, <laughs> just doing footnotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm shocked that that has never been a pitch at some point to me from Damien about some like, a wild idea about a show, just me talking to myself about sports or something. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I could manage, but I don't know if I, I would hope no one would want to hear that. So, anyway, but yeah, how are you gentlemen doing? And uh, welcome, of course. Uh, I'm excited to speak to you, even though I've spoken to you both, of course, throughout the day, trying to figure out how to record this thing without Damien at the helm. And uh, so far, so good. But I, I do mention that we are recording this in a very punk manner, so it's going to sound a little different. It's probably not going to be, you know... Like, it won't quite sound like Teen Generate Get Action, although that would be very cool, or Guitar Wolf um, Jet Generation. I'd like it to, but it's going to be somewhere between that and what regular footnotes sounds like. Hopefully not completely inaudible, but it'll be, uh, it should be good. But it's going to be the punkest way of recording. We're not using anybody's technology, and I'm going to try, and I mean, I'm just going to say right now it's being done straight to analog, and hope people guess. But uh, anyway... All that nonsense yeah, I, aside, I, go on. Yeah, I think we're recording it kind of the same way that like the Cold Cold Hearts recorded all their records, <laughs> and a lot of a lot of Riot Girl bands recorded things. <laughs> so I think it's going to work out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right. So to start off, um, we each have talking points. I would imagine in our back pockets. I have some mailbag to get to. I don't know if you gentlemen. I mean, I, I guess I should steer the ship on this because I suppose right now I'm the host officially, um, but. 
Uh, I guess I'm just going to take a poll from you two right now. Is there anything you want to get to off the top, or should we just kind of jump into mailbag and work off that? I just uh, dive right into that bag, man. Okay. Yeah, I agree. All right. So uh, I have a special segment off the top, uh, which I'm going to call Kel's Corner, our Norwegian correspondent who frequently writes in with some really great stuff, uh, often you know, raw bits of info that are great for people like us to sort of digest and get into if you're really feeling the footnotes thing. Um, so he writes in in reference to the Vic Bondi episode 143 from... I don't know now, a bunch of episodes back, but nonetheless of a Chicago theme, of course. Um, and he, he writes in regarding the Chicago punk documentary, or more specifically, I guess, punk hardcore documentary, You Weren't There, which uh, he leaves a, sorry, a link to it, which is uh, regressivefilms.com slash you hyphen weren't hyphen there backslash. And uh, it's a film I'd seen, It was I think it's been out for like Five years ish now, I would think. Uh, no, no longer. It, it, according to Discogs, it came out in two thousand and eight. Okay, well there we go. Wow. wow. Yeah. I know I've had it for a while, and I do like it. Um, have you either of you gentlemen seen it? Oh yeah, but not in quite a while. But, yeah. Yeah. I I own the LP DVD combo thing. Nice. You know? Yeah. He mentions that. I didn't know they did an LP for it. I just have the 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 DVD, I guess, from whenever. But. Um, but yeah, it covers obviously the Vic Vondi episode being Chicago themed, and of course um, his band, of course, being a Chicago band. I think he was writing in reference to anybody who's interested further in the subject. But I, I think it's a good documentary. I remember being one of the ones I liked more when I saw it initially. Um, I would imagine if you really have some internet sleuthing skills, you can probably find it online on one of these, you know, streaming uh, whatever tube sites, if you will. If you look hard enough, if you're really dying to see it and can't seem to find it in store or whatever, but if not, um, regressivefilms.com, of course, has it as well. Um, the other note, which this is the one I didn't wasn't sure if either of you gentlemen would know <laughs> anything about, but I found it funny, and I did actually know this, but I think it's, I still think it's funny. Uh, he wrote in, I don't know what this was in reference to, it was came up on one of these recent episodes as well, but he wrote... Uh, Re Elvis Costello was the subject, and it was the band that played on the first Elvis Costello album, My Aim is True, evolved into Huey Lewis and the News. And I didn't know if that would be a shocker to either of you gentlemen. I don't think I knew that, but that's like not my wheelhouse. So that <laughs> totally makes sense that I wouldn't know that. <laughs> But do, yeah, are, you, um, are you surprised? Are you? Does that make you like it more or less? Well, the question is: Would it be evolved into Huey Lewis in the news, or is it just the news? <laughs> True, because it wasn't Huey Lewis. Yeah, good point. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, Elvis Costello in the news doesn't really have. I mean, not like Huey Lewis. It only has a ring because we know it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. But I mean, my aim is true. I, I I don't know how you gentlemen feel about Elvis Costello. I like that record. To me, I I don't feel a lot of that record seems to inform the news's later work. But uh, <laughs> it definitely sounds sonically in the same arena, and it is kind of funny that it, it is the same backing group. I'd never really thought of that connection before, other than hearing tell of this like way back. But um, yeah, I just didn't know, I, Mr. Martin. I, you in particular, I didn't. I, I don't know your feelings of all things on Elvis Costello. Um, kind of ambivalent. All right, you fair know? enough. I mean, it's a fine record. Uh, I don't own it. Uh, 
you know, I had a college roommate that owned it. I heard it a lot then. You know, it's a good record. I heard a lot working in record stores over the years. Just never felt the the need to take one home. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's you know, it's a good record that you know, it's, if somebody puts it on, it's great. Whatever. <laughs> nice. All right. I mean, do you think that they'd be just sitting there playing those songs, and that's you know, that the dean would just tell them, "I'm sorry, Elvis, you guys are just too darn loud." And then, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh, well. I'm just th- I'm just that's wondering. What I, that, that's what I know about Huey Lewis as well. I mean, <laughs> tracks, sure. You know, if they come up. I'm not turning them off. But like, yeah, I don't know that I've ever felt the need to own a Huey Lewis record either. I oh, I've certainly yeah. I don't. I, I, I'm like willfully ignorant in that case, you know, and that's it's cool, whatever. I think, uh, I mean, to be fair to Huey on this one, I think he's a little deeper. Like, I, I heard an interview with him where this originally came up, and uh, I was amazed at sort of his journey, even talking about being uh, around sort of that at the time. What I'm curious about is if he had any part in that or was like cut out of his, in any involvement with that group you know what I mean like I wonder if he had any part and he was either cut out or didn't have any interest himself in taking part that's what I'm curious about because I don't believe he has anything to do with that record or that band ever the, the Elvis he was just really trying to really just trying to take over Elvis's throne he's like <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, I've got way more charisma than this guy like in the harmonica you know like I'll, I'll do this it is kind of funny that they both lasted though quite long and they both sort of inhabited slightly different areas of that same sort of like the pop world dare I say but not quite the pop world I guess Huey Lewis was straight up the pop world but Elvis uh, Costello slightly outside of it I would say yeah I mean I mean yeah, they're both like adjacent now I'm looking at like what Huey Lewis's like Wikipedia like discogs I'm like what am I doing you know like, do I care do I care about Clover, the band that he was in, like in the seventies? Hey, you know, like, maybe. What am I... Might be I... sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get back to us on that one. <laughs> Check it out and report back. The seventy-two to seventy-eight Huey Lewis project. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. The, the next item that Cal wrote in about, which we've already sort of pre-discussed, and I imagine this is going to be a great aside. And perhaps a new, I'm hoping a new great email segment from people, because this is one that we had ignored. It came to the mailbag a little while ago while we were on hiatus, so we missed it. But uh, the title, which was sent to us, of the article uh, from TheGuardian.com is Mosh Pit Opera, Fugazi's Random Stage Banter Set to Music. And the opera itself apparently is called It's All True, and it's derived from more than 1,200 hours of live recordings of Fugazi that were uploaded to the web. And essentially they've made a piece together, an opera based on just the rants in between songs. And it features no music from Fugazi at all. And uh, yeah, I sent this article to both of you to, to check off over and see your thoughts. So I don't know which one of you wants to begin on uh, this. but I mean, the... To say that it's set over music also seems kind of like a, a bold claim, because <laughs> the the cacophony that the talking was over did not strike me as tuneful. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very true. <laughs> yeah, but I did listen to the whole thing, like the whole song. I'm not gonna like. 
Yeah. I'll see uh, I, more. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't even do that. <laughs> Fuck that. Um, absolutely not. This is like one of those things where it's just like I have zero zero interest in any of that shit. <laughs> Fuck those people. I mean, I hope that it would be something like the the Venom seven inch. You know, talking. <laughs> the Joe Cole seven inch. Yep. Yep. And then I'm like, oh, this could be. Oh no, it's not. It's not like that at all. <laughs> See, it's like it's like it's like the Venom single, but inverted. Like, you know, like the Venom single. Yes, it's so absurd. But like, I think with Fugazi, like the audience was so absurd, and then they're reacting to the absurdity of all these people that are maybe there to see them. You know, so. We- were you totally immune to Fugazi at the time? Immune? Like, were you just not... Like, it seems like so many people really jumped in with both feet to what they were selling. Oh, I... Dude, I am so on that bus. Yeah, Dave like, Dave loves... Dave Martin yeah. loves Fugazi. To be I, fair... I, okay, I, just making sure. I am, I am of the mindset that they get better as they go along. Mm-hmm. However, it also, like, as they got better as a band, it got harder and harder to actually enjoy them as their shows got bigger um, I, I saw them i only saw them twice and i saw them maybe in like 95 and maybe 97 and the the difference between those two shows was night and day and i at the show in 97 i was like what am i even doing here and i never went to see them again because it was just like it was just like dudes bros like it was yeah, not no, it's, it's even such like a brutal yeah. social scene that you were just like, I, it, uh, like, where, and then you, I mean, you spent like all this time, like, okay, well, maybe if I stand over here, I can see them and hear the, you know, but it was like, it was just brutal, brutal. Yeah. However, I, yeah. they're one of the best bands of all time and they only got better. I agree. So I, ne- I agree with Mr. I, Martin there. I, I regret now in, you know, 2018 that I didn't go to like any of those huge DC shows just cause like I kind of like had rides like I had friends that would go and I just didn't really like pursue it because it was just like so many things like I'd seen them before and it is like seeing them at like a, a huge park um, but now that time has passed I probably should have gone to those yeah I get you I, I have two thoughts on what you gentlemen said one was I agree with you that they, they got better with age. Uh, I also saw them, uh, the only time I saw them was in 97. I saw them up here, isolated, of course, from kind of the geographical areas that you guys are inhabiting. So uh, I only had one, I think, other opportunity because of my age and ge- geography to see them, which was, I think, either 93 or 95, and I passed. They played Buffalo, I believe, with Snapcase, which in hindsight would have been probably <laughs> a pretty hilarious show to see. But... um. Apparently it was good though. Like I do know people that went, and they did say it was great. But uh, in '97 they were excellent, uh, and I think that was on. Ooh, I'm so bad with what records came out when. It was either the Argument or End Hits. I always get which one came out in what era wrong. But um, anyway, that tour was great. Um, yeah, and they're they're a great band. I didn't experience the same scenario that you guys are speaking of. I don't know if it's because in Toronto. I mean, it was a it was a big show, like probably around 2,000 people. But it wasn't. Um, I didn't find it even at the time to be kind of what you're, what you two are describing. Um, having said that, I don't know if that's because like here, it was. I mean, it was clearly popular, but it wasn't as I don't know. Maybe 
as annoying. I don't know which way to put that, but yeah. It, anyway, I thought they were very good and very good live. Um, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I saw them in, in Providence in like 95 with the makeup, and it was great. Oh, And deadly. then I, I want to say, I, if the tour before that was with Slant 6. I wish I saw that. Um, and then I saw them in Philly with, I almost want to say, no one. I feel like they just it was just them. It was at the Electric Factory. And just to, to keep it Canadian, I believe I was initially sold on that show as being Fugazi and Propagandi. <laughs> oh. But it was actually... It was actually just Fugazi. Can you imagine um, that? I don't think they ever played together. I don't believe they ever played together. F- too bad it was yeah. an FOD, huh? Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then the place, they wouldn't have would needed a bigger room, I think. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone would have just come out of the woodwork for this big FOD show. Really, That's a shout out sh- to for footnote listeners <laughs> would, right there. It would, it would really shatter your day, you know? You oh, well done. Well done. <laughs> But regardless, for those who want to see this uh, this article, we're gonna I'm gonna try and send it to be put up on the uh, the foot the pardon me the Turn Out of Punk Facebook or whatever in the Tumblr. Um, but yeah, there is a, some sort of audio audible segment which you can listen to, which I think is some excerpt. I don't really know, um, and it's exactly as David up described <laughs> about five minutes ago. Yeah, it's like, it's like you go, Dave. Oh, I just want to you know. Ex- expand on how lame I think this is. I mean, to you know, to sort of equate Fugazi with a band like, you know, well, Venom, you like who are great, you know, but it's not the same sort of thing. They're they're not adopting a persona. So, it, or even like, I mean, if somebody wants to take that, you know, Paul Stanley stage banter and, and, and make some sort of kitschy thing with it, you know, I'm not very interested in that either, but I understand that a bit more. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think that this is the sort of thing that people can really properly contextualize. Yep. And so they just view it as absurd or goofy. And, and then they reduce Fugazi to like, oh... And the shows were five dollars, you know, yeah. things like that. It, just bullshit. It, 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 like, it takes one of the best bands of the last twenty years and makes them into like a weird caricature of, you know, what somebody thinks they are. It's absolute bullshit. Yep, I think that is. So, I mean, for me, I don't yeah. know how you feel, David, but I perfectly stated. I, I feel no, that. I, I agree. I feel so much of that sort of, like the. Um, quote-unquote like icons of sort of the underground in whatever context you want to say often are victimized by this this kind of thing i don't think this is necessarily like some weird opportunistic thing but i think it, it does you perfectly stated when you said it takes like the proper context to really place this and if not it just seems crazy and absurd so um yeah it's, it's too on bad. the same hand if somebody if somebody may like let me get this off my chest the paul stanley musical <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever like the, the the amount of people who can properly contextualize that and get it is so much greater. Yeah. Because it the subject matter is so much like much, so much more basic. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, yeah. I mean, like we all want to know who likes the taste of vodka and orange juice. <laughs> you know, who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so it's actually too- and, but 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 musically it's also like the the interludes like between a crass song 
Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's just, it's not what you're coming there for. It's just the space between something. Yeah. Like, we've all seen a band that has, like, a, a pro set up where there's, like, kind of like a bunch of shit between the bands, like, this between the songs. Yeah. It's like that if that was the whole song. <laughs> exactly, it, yeah. Yeah. You've summed it up perfectly, yeah. both of you. You nailed it. It's actually <laughs> too bad, I'm thinking now, because of Damien's contentious feelings on Fugazi, it's actually too bad that this was explored uh, when he was not here for the one episode. <laughs> but and um, he, yeah, and his, you know, his the, then his love of wrestling would make him think he needed to play the heel in this this part. <laughs> <laughs> well I was hoping said. that one of you kind of like really brushed up on wrestling references to try to, to drop in throughout the. Episode. No, no. See, that's not going to happen. No. Yeah. Drop We're in from the it. top rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm done there. After that, 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 I'm done. That reference will just go straight into the turnbuckle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where this week we fe- I felt that the, there would be that and there would be another topic that wouldn't be heavily explored, depending on the kind of bands we talk about. But anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> if we all know what the other topic is. I'm just going to say that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yes. Moving on quickly, I'm going to just get to some of the other mailbag here. One is uh, from a listener, uh, Valerie who wrote in with regards to hearing the Blake Schwarzenbach, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, episode, and uh, wrote in and inspired them to reach out because they really liked the episode, saw the archives of the Turnout of Punk show, and uh, writes, I think our story might be of some interest to you and your listeners. Um, I'm working with two other punks as a non-profit to save a historic punk house in Pensacola, Florida, from being flipped and further gentrifying the neighborhood. In a nutshell, 309, or 309, I don't know how it's pronounced, I'm guessing 309, is quite possibly the oldest punk house in, in the South, being inhabited by active, creative punks since the early 90s. Many incredible punks live there, Aaron Cometbus, Mike Brody, or the Polaroid Kid, and this, is, this bike is a pipe bomb, pardon me, and Samantha Jane Dorset, original founder of Planet X Records, just to name a few. Um, basically... Uh, it was also featured in an Abby Banks's book, sorry, Abby Banks's book called Punk House Interiors in Anarchy, edited by Thurston Moore. Uh, it basically just goes on to say that the uh, the house itself, they're trying to raise funds to buy the house, which the deadline is by July of two, 2019, pardon me, and uh, the goal is to basically make the house, um, to fix it up a bit to make it inhabitable. It's Well, it is inhabitable, but it's in bad shape apparently. And uh, if you want any more info on that, um, they can be reached at on, on the World Wide Web, as it's known, at 309punkmuseum.org, or you can reach them directly at 309punkmuseum at gmail.com. And the website's kind of neat. It has, like, an about us and everything involved. So anybody interested should check that out. But uh, that was also from a, a week or two back, and I apologize for not getting to that sooner because uh, we've been neglecting the mailbag. But uh, anyway, that's another one. I don't know if either of you, uh, more, I'm guessing more this would be David Up Territory. Have you ever seen that or been down there by chance? I haven't. My, my Florida, we played Brandon and we played Daytona. That I've been, we played there twice. Like, we played both those places twice. Um, so I, I have not, I've never even been to Gainesville, to be honest. Yeah, I haven't been same. to that many, many places in Florida. Yeah, I've been yeah. in Florida, but never, yeah, not to any of the places that people tend to speak about for whatever reason, <laughs> other than Orlando, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Also, Pensacola is the part of Florida that people don't think of. 
It's like by Alabama. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's it's the up as a panhandle there. Uh, that's the part I feel that was interesting about this message was that one that there was like seemingly like a little at least if not little, I don't know if little is the appropriate word, but a, a vibrant scene of some kind in that area of Florida that was kinda interesting. And so yeah. But uh, they had written directly a while back, so I wanted to make sure to shout it out. Um, another quick little tidbit from the mailbag, uh, writer John B. writes in with reference to the WFMU uh, program, Diane, Diane, Diane's, Diane's Kamikaze Fun Machine. Pardon me, I don't know why I struggled with that. Diane Kamikaze. Diane Kamikaze. There we go. See, said it wrong yeah. anyway. Um, but hey, guys, uh, he writes, says he's misses footnotes, but he understands, so this was clearly on the hiatus. We're pulling from all sources tonight, folks. We're not neglecting anything. And, uh, Basically says that uh, an interview was done on this show with Joe Carducci and Mugger of SST fame, and uh, they basically just thought that listeners would be into it, and they put a link, which again is another one I'll try to throw up, but it's wfmu.org slash playlists slash shows slash 74628, and if you, if you scroll down a bit, you'll see, like, it, it's pretty obvious where the interview is, but yeah. Uh, I haven't had a chance to peruse it exactly yet, but I mean, I am very interested in what those gentlemen have to say. So it was another one that I thought was suitable for this program to be mentioning. Anyway, you're you're missing a huge mugger credit. Oh, I know what. There's another mugger credit, but yeah, what are you talking? The, the seven inch. <laughs> well, well, the the, the nig high uh, seven yeah. inch and twelve inch. Of course, yeah. The most most incredible live band of the era of two, probably I would imagine, or or not Dave, incredible. Did you see Nick Heist? I did not somehow. Um, I missed them. Uh, so, yeah. Did they actually uh, ever come east? Like, did they tour for real? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, they yeah. tour opening for Black Flag. Yeah. Wow, I never realized that. Yeah. I always thought they were kind of just like a regional joke thing or whatever. But that's no. Right. They played. They played. Well, they were a, a, a worldwide joke thing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, except for life in general, that song's just dead serious. Yeah. Know, but, uh, I don't own it. Do you have that record? You know what? I never did because, or it, like, I don't know why, but I mean, I, I know the songs. Like, I've, I've had it, I've had the songs, but I just, I felt like I just never needed one. And then, then in, in the thinning out of my collection, they're just like, I, I, it'd be weird if I had one now, but. You know, tracks for sure, you know. <laughs> See, I don't know. I, I still think it would be something that I would acquire eventually. I haven't... Uh, weirdly enough, it's one I never, ever, ever come across digging, though. And I'm shocked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Drag City has reissued it twice. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but I mean, Balls of Fire, totally cool song. Life in general, great song, you know. <laughs> there's, 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 yeah. Life in general, honestly, is almost like a legitimate. Like I drank enough of the Kool Aid, so to speak, to be like, no, this song's just like a straight up cool song. Um, like I liked it has the real stupid drum intro. Like big fan of that song. <laughs> like I won't necessarily go to bat on like their catalog per se, but you know that is their their hit. I think more than you know TLP. I think though, what uh, the more you say, the more it very much appears that you actually really love this band, David. Up. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not like I'm not like just trying to like spout shit off like naming gone tracks to make it seem like I like them. Like I, I put that song on, on like mixtapes. Like that song, it's great. But, yeah. That that song, super. Like I, yeah, that song I I will go to bat on, but the rest of it, you know, sure. <laughs> You know, Fair enough. I'm not going to be like, no, no, man, 
woman drivers got some. You got to really listen <laughs> to the nuance. You know, but I'm just for anyone's uh, you know questioning. I do not have this record pulled up on Discogs. I'm not cheating. Uh, it's just off the top of my head. That is also perfectly stated. Yeah, the uh, yeah. I will say probably a band in this time and place that's. Uh, the word problematic could be associated with. I'll, I'll say that much for, for our younger listeners. Uh, and of course, uh, yeah. However, uh, you know, <laughs> as we've discussed, uh, you know, some tracks, some tracks. Um, <laughs> speaking yeah. of, speaking of the David up, uh, response here, I feel like this next email is going to be right up your alley. At least it addresses you. So I hope so. But, uh, okay. writer Kurt K writes in, uh, mentions again during our hiatus how they miss the footnotes show, which we appreciate hearing, of course. But um, and this listener just recently discovered the seemingly obscure band Chronic Sick from Jersey. Their debut EP is great, and the musicianship is surprisingly good. I would let I would think they would have drew more attention if you guys don't get back. Sorry, don't get the mail room back up soon. Um, He's just wondering, though, isn't one of the Daves also from New Jersey, of course, with us tonight? And, yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> he wants to know if you, if, you, if you know anything regarding Chronic Sick. And, of course, uh, speaking of the terms problematic, I think we can dive right into this one, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how could you uh, oh, not look past such a cute band in, in hardcore? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, this, it's not like I dislike the 7-inch, but I think the... Lyrics aside, the twelve inch is is perfect. You know, yeah. I think it's it's a great record. I sadly never came across one, and even like with the thinning out of my collection, just because of the sonically, I think I would have just kept it, even though it's worth so much money because it's it's just really that good. Yeah, and of course, as discussed previously on other episodes, people who are heavy footnotes listeners. It's on the infamous Mother Records, which we are fans of. Um, But I would say for me, you know, again, despite the problematic nature of some of the things in this band, uh, including arguably the cover of Cutest Band in Hardcore, uh, I do think uh, they had like an interesting visual aesthetic. I think even the first 7-inch with just that crude middle finger drawing is pretty, a pretty iconic look. Um, yeah, great band. I also agree with and, Dave on the uh, on the twelve inch being superior for sure. And, and and growing up where I grew up, there's no way that like mucho macho is not going to totally appeal to you <laughs> as far as just like uh just like what was going on around me. You know, I feel like that song was just really hit, hit the nail on the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dave Martin, do you like the the sick at all? Are you a fan? I mean, yeah, it's a great record. I mean, um, you know. I didn't hear it until, you know, much, you know, no, I certainly wasn't aware of them at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a cool record. Um, obviously, I can kind of contextualize the absurdity of a lot of it. Um, but, you know, but then again, it's not something like, um, you know, I, just in the way that, you know, revisionist history works, like, I, I, it didn't, like, take over my world or anything like it seemed to for a lot of people, you know? Yeah. I mean, Mother Records, like a lot of record labels, like, really swung for the fences on certain things and just, they can't all be winners, you know? But, like, they they put out, you know, but that, once again, 
you know, they put out like public disturbance. They put out the worst. They put out chronic stick. Uh, I mean, th- there's another uh, missing the rage. best one. Yeah, you're missing the best one though. You haven't mentioned it yet. Uh, Partners in crime. No, uh, although I feel uh, like I'm wrong here. Maybe it didn't wasn't on. But I was I gonna say children in adult jails, but they've got to buy our records just to name like not clearly what isn't the best one. Uh, which what are you what are you going for? I'm looking for. I actually just pulled it up just to make sure, but maybe it wasn't on Mother. I thought it was the uh, mental abuse. Say it. Mental abuse. Mental abuse is on is on urinal, Chris. Oh, well, see, I'm wrong. See, this is what Damien would normally be here for quicker than I would. But um, they, they yeah, put out mind. the 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 uh, Streets of Filth album by that's Mental right. Abuse, and they put out the Message from America Hardcore is here to stay. There you go. And I believe that's all they did. I didn't. You can look it up on the resource, but <laughs> that feature that features a uh, a pretty throwaway mental abuse song on that comp. Oh, I called like "Hey Baby" or something like that, and then there's some like <laughs> kind of weird like agnostic front captured between uh, victim and pain and cause for alarm. Um, I in my thin out, I did not keep "Message from America," but I did have it at one point. Did you ever have that LP though? Mental abuse. Yeah. Oh, I still have it. You still do. Oh. Jealous. Yeah, I, I don't know if you know this, Chris, but I'm from New Jersey. What, am I going to get rid of the mental abuse? Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Just saying. i just like to point out, too, you did a full-on Damien save there because I was fully drowning yeah. in my lack. I always thought Mother put that out. I don't know why. She doesn't know I have it. But, uh, no, you're thinking of a different Branchville, New Jersey label. Um, <laughs> no, now I have it in my hand. I wouldn't have any idea where you're all from. But, uh, yeah, do you know what's a, a weird thing also about mental abuse? Um yeah. That it features a, a dude from Nibblekenbain, that like oi band from like Headache Records, and like he's still around. Like Andy from Nibblekenbain is the guitar player of Mental Abuse. Wow. What? So did any of the other like the people from that group really go on to do anything else? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I could. I mean, I mean, the, the drummer's his name is Dave. I mean, he could be <laughs> he could be on the phone right now, but you know, like. Uh, but I, as far as I know, no. I don't, I mean, yeah, what a great record. I don't have the uh, Sid Sludge Bucks or whatever that came in some of the copies, so if anyone has uh, one of those and doesn't want it, hit me up. There you go. I, I, don't, I do not have a perfect copy of the record, but uh, a, a, little, a little tangent on that record that I'll just call someone out publicly. Um, <laughs> does my, my friend Stuart who did like Game of the Arsehole zine, just a, a, a record nerd extraordinaire. At one point, uh, he had that record and I didn't, and I really wanted it. And it, he made some reference to like, oh, if you can just, you know, quote every song on the record. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do it right now. But uh, <laughs> he, he welched on that deal. So Whoa. ultimately, uh, I'm still owed a mental abuse, a second copy, I guess, from from Stewart. Wow, Just, uh, saying that saying that publicly. That wow, <laughs> that is a that is a that is a very very like, uh, you know, the record collecting game will lead you to have stories like that. And uh, I mean, the thing is, like, this will sound like super stupid and weird, but like. One of the reasons that I ever did bands was because of like just like the mental abuse album was important. As much as it's like a weird like record that references your you know having your knife and jock sex and all that stuff. <laughs> um, like just growing up in North Jersey, it was just like this is like a totally obscure record that like a friend got from like another old guy for like you know 
less than ten dollars kind of situation. That's just like, yo, this is a hardcore record. Like that was recorded in Whippany. Like that's the town that Stewart's from. You know, it's it was a local band, and uh, it's great. So you know, it became like a want, a, a top want for a long time, and I did get it before it became super expensive. But uh, you know, it, it it was like when when Molnar tried to get Dead Nation to form, it was like we we sat at his house and listened to like Negative Effects, Jerry's Kids, and the Mental Abuse album. And just like <laughs> yeah, let's do a band. Yeah, so. that's perfection right there, pretty much. Yeah, <clears throat> Mr. Martin, do you have it by chance? Are you in the into that? I, I do not. I do not. It's a good one. I don't have it either. So only one, one of three, and Dame must have it, I would guess. So normally two, two of four. It's not bad. Fifty percent. I'm just yeah. assuming he has it, but he has everything. So I would guess. Um, anyway, that was a great aside. That we got a lot of, uh, a lot of headway out of that email. Were you at the uh, career suicide show where I sang "Sock Woman" with them? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't believe so because I don't believe we've ever been in the same physical proximity, Dave, as we've discussed. I don't remember. I don't remember who else played that. I think it was like Government Warning or Direct Control, and it was at the Knitting Factory. Like, oh, or, we were. No, 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 North, no, North 6 downstairs, like the weird room with the aquarium. Okay, and, no, I uh, wasn't. Sorry. And, and it was a good... Uh, I don't think that it even told me what it was going to be. I, I think it was, will you sing uh, a cover with us? Like, oh, okay. And then it was... It, I may have known it was mental abuse, but I don't think I knew what song it was. It was like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can do this. It could be also because Jonah knows every punk song ever written off the top of his head, so it could have been anything. It probably yeah. changed two minutes before they went on. But, uh, yeah. yeah, shout out to Jonah, by the way. Epic human. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say a show, but then I, I, as I thought about it more, yeah, it wasn't the one I thought you were going to mention. But, um, no, I was, yeah, I, I don't think we have been in the same room, which is the weirdest <laughs> scenario ever. Yeah. Anyway, no, um, I think I think we. Anyway, that's not that's inside footnotes. But yeah, that'll be. We'll been. get into that more. We'll trace. Someone <laughs> will trace together for us that we have in fact been in the same room at least once. Because um, I, I, I believe I saw Urban Blight at Cake Shop. Which oh, by default, then you would be there. <laughs> yeah, true. Although, if Urban Blight played Cake Shop more than once, I definitely played it once. But Urban Blight did do a tour before I was in the group. And they may have played Cake Shop. If it was with Fucked Up, then I was not there. I don't remember. Either way. Anyway, good mention. If it was at Cake Shop, it's even more crazy because literally no one was at that show. So if the fact that you were at that show, it's insane because that would have been one of these times when there's almost no excuse why we wouldn't have spoken, which is too bad. But uh, anyway, our our unrequited romance, bromance, as it were, uh, aside, yeah, pretty insane. So... Uh, we got in one more email here, or a few more, but we'll just do maybe one more, because I don't want to keep this eight hours long like the normal episodes. Sorry to our working listeners who want it to be as long as possible to get through the day, but figure we'll just kind of try to keep it a little lighter, keep you on your feet, you know, sort of have the Ramones approach to it, if you will, or something of that nature. Yeah. Um, but uh, the one message here, I'm going to resurrect this in hopes that I can solicit for more of these, although it's one of these long-abandoned uh, sort of things that we said we were going to do, which of course we didn't do on the show, which is a very common theme. But uh, it's the 10 inch records topic. Um, and it's someone a long while ago named Michael P. who wrote in. And they mentioned that one of, some of their favorite 10 inches are the Black Hand 10 inch, Think I Care Mongrel, The Swarm, Parasitic Skies, 
and Melvin's Eggnog. And they also mention how weird it is that the band I Spy have a 10-inch and a split 10-inch. And why this email is particularly interesting is they end on this question, which uh, I sort of, I'm giving to you, either of you gentlemen, I'm not sure if you'll be able to even answer this because I couldn't think of one. Is there any other band that has that criteria? Multiple 10 inches? But, uh, bo- like, well, multiple, yes, but also with the criteria of at least one being a split and at least one being a standalone release. I'm thinking the Templars are probably another group that do. I'm not 100%, but I think so. Fu Manchu have multiple 10 inches, but I don't think any of them are splits. Yeah. It's just because Man's, Man's Ruin would be your your, <laughs> your, your your discogs to go down. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they put out a lot of 10 inches, and I, I'm, I'm not, I, apologetically, I can't name everything on Man's Ruin. So um, <laughs> You can't, Dave? Come on. No, no. I mean, I'll, I could name a handful, but yeah, but uh, they would probably be, you know, a way to go. Mr. Martin, any thoughts? You think? Can you think of any? And, no, the man's ruin thing is is probably the, your best bet. Um, you know, but I, it's duh. See, it's it's just it stopped my brain. Um, <laughs> what an awful like, you know. Like a split is already cumbersome enough, but then a ten-inch split just means like, where do you, where do you even file it? <laughs> exactly. Uh, they're their own file, right? They're, well, they're, yeah, but you know. You oh, mean physically? Gosh. You're saying like, where do you put them physically? Yeah. Well, no, I put them at the end of the records physically. Um, you know, the, <laughs> that's just, where they go. Yeah, you know. <laughs> But, yeah, but the th- the thing that's worse than that though are, are the are the other size records. Oh yeah, the, uh, yeah, other size records. That's just that's just all the ultimate like fuck you. When you're clarifying, you know? what do you mean by other size records? You mean like like eight, like inch, eight records? inch records? Yeah, okay. Nine five, inch. The five oh. inch. You know. I find the really five. small ones particularly pointless because there's no real reason to go less than seven. Like that doesn't no, make you... any sense. No, there's yeah. no need for that. But I mean, when I, uh, as far as the things that we all lose when we move out of our parents' house, because I don't know if people move out of their parents' house like like you move out of a, an apartment as an adult. But I definitely left a lot of shit because my parents still live there, so I didn't, you know. Oh yeah, get, just, I'll get that someday. Um, <laughs> by de- by definitely losing at least a box of demos, uh, pretty much all of my flyers. Um, I also lost odd records. Because I definitely never sold the Citizens Arrest Flexi, but I don't have it anymore. Or that Board Against Split 8-inch. I didn't sell that, but I don't have it anymore. Uh, some anti-schism records that were like in stupid sleeves that were out of the regular collection. Yeah, I think they just threw those away because I, I don't know where they went. I'd that like to think that you're so good for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think your parents were equally annoyed at the size of them. Like, what is this size of this record? This oh, this record doesn't even have any. It's it's flexy somehow. I would call it. And, uh, <laughs> is this live? Why would you want this? Yeah. And then they're like, "That's probably why he left it." <laughs> yeah. This record, someone got all the air out of this record. <laughs> what about? <laughs> what about the? Uh, okay, so here's the question of the week here. What is worse, a flexi, or a ten inch? Uh, flexi. flexi. I'm with you. Unanimous. I'm with you. 
Particularly because flexies, if you really dig them, you can't really play them too much. They just get worn out. You know what I mean? It's If you ever find yeah. an old flexi, it's not a good move. So, so here's the question, though. Like, as a listener, we all would prefer to listen to a hard vinyl 10-inch to, yeah. a, to a flexi of any size. But there's definitely more crucial flexies than there are 10 inches. That's true. I, I think you're probably um, correct there. Probably, because you've got Japan. Correct. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I, you mean the band, right? Oh, go on. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, gosh, I don't know. There's some great 10 inches. As much as, like, you know, I'll talk shit on them all day long. Um, <laughs> the, there's some really great ones. So, and the uh, same goes for flexies. You you know, it's they're a necessary evil if you love music. Yeah, we're just, we're always just gonna want more sound sheets or whatever they're <laughs> technically called. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, yeah I, I, I've never been on a ten-inch or a flexi in my uh, in my career. Wow, I yep. haven't either. I'm just hedging on that as I say it. But yes, no, I haven't. Which yeah, ten-inch actually, I wouldn't be too like it would annoy me now as a collector, just thinking in hindsight, but. I wouldn't be annoyed at a 10-inch if it were done properly because, you know, it could be done right. But flexi, yeah, I don't know. I want to say Andy from Tear It Up was, like, not like not even okay with 10 inches, like pro 10-inch. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I mean, if Tear It Up had, had gone on longer, I'm sure we would have done one just by default. But, yeah. You know what the um, most annoying part of flexis is, though, is the – on some of them, I don't know if they all do this, but I definitely have at least one or two where it has like the place coin here as if to put the weight so that it doesn't like move when it plays. That's the most annoying part for me. The idea that putting a coin on it to like weigh it down because it's so nonsensical to, to exist in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where, I, where my least favorite thing about flexies is, but you know, they're. They always sound bad, too. They yeah, really do. They do. Anyway, but, we flogged that one. No flexies, no 10 yeah. inches, please. But I'll still take a flexi over a 5-inch. <laughs> True. Well said. <laughs> there hey, is... Martin. Speaking of... I don't... You know... Yeah, I mean... I certainly have a lot more flexies than, than the 5-inch singles, but I don't know. They're both just... Annoying. <laughs> you can you can you can put a flexi on your turntable no problem. But I know with five inches, I used to have to have a, like a split I didn't care about that I would almost like drag it over it to then bump it up onto the next thing to like listen to you know this blanks record that I don't need to listen to, um, and yeah, and then that would be that. But I never had the crossed out five inch. So as far as like you know, actually cool bands that did five inches i didn't have it yeah i feel, I feel i like i had the pestilence box set but mine didn't i think that's what that came with right i don't the remember this, this is your territory i don't yeah. <laughs> if damien were here he would have you covered yeah. i'm unfortunately this week i i can't fill in those gaps but uh <laughs> um as far as the annoying format uh talk i, I i'm glad we got into this because i think we really we made some headway there and uh, I'm curious of Damien's opinions on some of these. I don't. I don't even know them actually. I know obviously we've you know the the ten inches a troubled one that we've discussed, but never really got into flexies before all that much. I don't think. 
But um, uh, weirdly enough, speaking of Jonah again, because we might as well bring him up, up again, he's in a band called Game that just released a flexi called Who Will Play, which is very good. Um, I believe what? Little, uh, yeah, just released a flexi on Quality Control Hardcore, I believe is the label, if I'm not mistaken. I'll even look it up right now. Why not? Um, and I, I just wanted to look up because it, it would have bothered me, and I don't want the corrections department to get me. But the mass control rupture flexi or five inches, the five inch that came with that box set. <laughs> um, and I, I knew I'm like crossed out's definitely the wrong era because this is like this box that had like the piss and like resist and all that stuff on it. But uh, yeah, I, I I just wanted to really make sure no one thinks that I didn't know what I was talking about. Sorry. About that. <laughs> Nicely done. All right, so I'm just trying to find me to make sure I got that right on the label and everything because I think I'm just looking up. Of course, nothing's coming up. But anyway, the band is definitely called Game. There's definitely a flexi. I can't remember who released it. I'm pretty sure I got it right. Good record. Uh, What's the song called? The song or band? The band what is called. The song? the song is called Game. Or sorry, the band is called Game rather, and the band is called. Sorry, the the record is called Who Will Play. I don't know the track listing off off by heart. I just got it. Actually, I should just physically they, look at it. I'm just going to grab are they, are they, Yeah, that, that might be easier. Are they, are they a, a UK band? Yes, exactly. It is, on, it is on quality control hardcore. As Showing how moronic I am as a human being now, and my brain no longer works in the tangible sense, uh, I just physically grabbed it, and yes, it is a flexi. It is on quality control hardcore. You're sure it just didn't mail you a sleeve? No, he didn't. Uh, he didn't give it to me. I purchased it because I'm an upstanding okay. human being. But yeah, um, yeah, it's it is cool. And they did the 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 thing I like about it the most. They actually put it on like high like heavy cardboard, so it's not like just ready to be like you know folded just in a half at all times. In your collection. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, cool record. Check it out for the people who don't know it and like fucked up and like Jonah and all those Jonah world things that are great. Um, but, yeah, what else? Um, I think as far as email, I think we're good. There are some we can get to, but none of them really are hitting on the great things we talked about. And I feel like if you gentlemen have talking points, we might as well just hop into those and uh, and sort of get into that to sort of close this sucker down. But um, No, I, ju- I just want to say that if Jonah has a, a hardcore band in the U.K., yep. I hope they only play on boats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, well that's like done. kind of like a, like, you know, like a house show to him, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like kind of like being a garage band, you know, like the clash, you know, they're just a, just a boat band, you know, yeah. they come from boat land. You know, so and, good. Yeah. Like so yeah. many good inside jokes said in that minute there. <laughs> Um, this is all said with love, of course. Jonah, I am. No, yeah. We are we are big fans of, but yes, all well said. Uh, For when Jonah decides to count one episode of footnotes. Yeah, if he actually ever this listens one. to this, I'll be shocked. So I hope he does. Hope this yeah. was the one that he'll that'll get him. I'm sure someone will tip him off. So but, what uh, is he doing in this band? Let's just he talk. He plays the lineup. He plays drums. Yeah. Okay. Does he wear like a, a solid shirt or like a mesh shirt kind of band? I've never seen. <laughs> I think the mesh shirt is strictly like shore style worship, so I don't know if there's any mesh uh, in this group. I would imagine the weather is also not as conducive in the UK most of the time to the mesh uh, thing. He, he might just wear. I mean, yeah. I mean, the mesh shirt was just a madman thing. I mean, I yeah. Mean, yeah. And with the, with, I mean, with the UK, he might wear like a bin liner. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, only when he plays, because Jonah has definitely entered, like, the, the lots of clothes Jonah era. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I, I know, like, when he plays drums, he obviously he, he is dressed slightly more sensible. But, but yeah, when he's, when he's not playing, he's, dude's got, he's layered up. Yes, he's a he's yeah. a well dressed man for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I love this Jonah talk. I don't know how to pivot off this. So <laughs> what's our next talking point? We love Jonah. Aside from that, yeah. <laughs> um, well, do you want to jump into the uh, the Blake episode? Yeah, whatever ones. Like, I have some Dave talking points if you want to work off those, or if you guys have any that you want to address, especially based on things we have already discussed kind of leaving it open here for a free-form uh, direction. So whichever one of you thinks that you got something that we can go on. Um, I mean, there's. I, I made a bunch of different notes, but I, I, I kind of wanted to just say the idea of like getting into a genre of music through the Wipers and Sado Nation seems like a fun way to jump into something. <laughs> yes, I agree. It's kind of... Uh, it's very, very perfect in the way of like... If you want a specific outcome, those are probably great starting groups to, to begin with. I don't know many people who those would be the, the intros. No. I mean... Yeah, yeah no. I, how could that ever happen? That's just like a fantastic accident. That, you know. Well, I mean, I don't know about either of you gentlemen, but like the Wipers, I didn't get to till much later. And cer yeah, certainly course. a group that I didn't... Or Sorry, I... I regretted not having heard much sooner um but yeah it's a funny collection of, of intro bands it's not one you'll hear often even on this show from damien interviewing people that's like you hear the usual sort of token groups of like especially if people of certain age you know they tend to say the same sorts of things but yeah that one hit me left field especially even for um i have never you know i and again it shows maybe how i don't know a lot of this group's catalog but I've never thought of the Wipers when I've thought of a group like Jawbreaker. So, you know, I thought that was an interesting starting point. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the, the Wipers, I, I don't know why they weren't, like, something that I, like, checked out earlier. But, I don't know, it just, it's, it was not, like, even, like, a, a, a second, with a second tier thing to explore. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Wipers are cool. Like they have a, a couple of LPs that I like, but they were not. Yeah, definitely not a band that I probably I probably didn't hear them until I was like in my twenties. Well, yeah, and like cool logo, like it's just I don't know. I think part of it is because that first LP's cover is so bizarre. And if you yeah. if you weren't I, I, in the area, I think that that would have maybe been lost on you because it looks like a. It almost looks it, like a new wave record or something. It it looks like the orgasmatic seven inch meets like a toucan. Like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the other thing is the wipers have a lot of records that aren't amazing. Um, that, you know, or at least, you know, like if you've decided that you love the wipers, then, you know, you can start jamming follow blind. Um, but if that's the first record you heard or something, that's pretty fucking weird. Like, yeah, there's I, not a lot to, to you know. I have no doubt. I think you're bang on, and you certainly, you're saying it perfectly. The only thing I would give a little bit of credence to them about is you referenced that record from 87. So 
I'm going to give most bands of their starting point by 87. They're all kind of doing a lot of really strange, embarrassing things by that point, too. So it's, I get you. Yeah, I, mean, if they, if, I don't know. When do they form? Is this real? They formed in 77? Is this real? Didn't come out until 79. Yeah. So, but yeah, let's just say you, 79, did, did, but yeah. Did you see them, Dave? Were they like an active mm-hmm. band? I never saw them, no. No. So. Because I. And looking at them on Discogs, I had no idea they they lasted that long. Me either. Like, because it appears that they never broke up until what ninety. Like, they seem to put out a record with something like you know, even by the end, it was like eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, ninety three, ninety six. Like, did they stay yeah. a band that whole time? I, you know, I don't, I don't think they were a real band, but I think that Greg Sage would assemble a band. I'd have mm-hmm. to. I'd have to go deep and look at the credits but I, I know at the end he was just finding people to play with him mm-hmm. and and calling it the wipers because that's what brought in the most people yeah that... you know in some somewhere in here is that there's that greg sage solo record um that's like maybe around the time of follow blind maybe before it so I don't you know. He put out a record called Straight Ahead in 85 yeah. and then Sacrifice in 91. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of, like, I don't think the Wipers were really a fully functioning band in in that sense, like, after, say, The Circle. So, after mm-hmm. 88. But my yeah. curiosity about you maybe not seeing them was because perhaps they didn't do full u.s tours like maybe they were just touring well, the West i don't Coast. know but if they like if i probably wouldn't have been i mean 86 would have been the first year that i would have been like cognizant of you know like being able to see a band like that yeah you know um or 80 85 or 86 but i would imagine they were also probably playing over 21 shows at that point mm, good well, point the weird thing is for being a band that was it you know, at a at a minimum, was moderately active. You know, for ten years, I I I just don't see them on a lot of flyers either. Like just for a band where they, if they were a national act, you feel like they would just be in flyers throughout the country as well. And I just don't think about seeing like here's the CBGB's Wipers flyer, but by default they should have played there at some point, right? Yeah, I would think. I mean, it's see what's interesting is there's that there's a record listed here from '84 called Wipers Tour '84. I'm curious, like how extensive that was, like if it's mentioned on the actual. I'm trying to look at the yeah. actual liner notes, but it's yeah. I it, I always assume for punk, perhaps naively, for a lot of this stuff that a lot of it ends up being kind of regional, or at least like coastal, like, but. You know, then again, you still hear of bands that did get across the whole country and tour. Like, I'm even shocked here, and like, not that this band's sonically relatable to this at all, really. But like, even hearing like SSD playing like the West Coast just still blows my mind. But um, I just assume it's a North Pacific Northwest regional thing, or just coastal. Maybe that's why. But then again, they also lasted for ten years, so you would assume they got across the country at least once. But... Yeah, but I, I mean, I I would be shocked. 
But yeah, I mean, like, it, just if you're curious, everyone, Googling uh, wipers is not really a good Google image search. <laughs> but, uh, like, here's a here's a flyer of, of playing a $2 show, so I assume it was a while ago. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's, it, this is a, a $2 a show in 79 with the fix at the, the long goodbye. I mean, so they, they played places, but hmm. I don't know. I mean... Well, if anybody okay. knows, this is the perfect kind of thing to write in. If any of our... Pacific Northwest folks or anybody, you know, who, who is more in the know than any of us, feel free to write in. Turn out a punk footnotes and prove us wrong or inform us as to why or what tours they may have done. I Offhand, yeah, I, this, I don't have a deep, deep knowledge of the Wipers. I love those first two records, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm no Wipers, you know, expert. But yeah, but definitely... Tracks for sure. I, I, I just enjoyed the, like, oh, how did you get into punk? The wipers and Sado Nation. Was, 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 was cool. Yeah, it um, is. Martin, uh, you got a point on the back of that. Sorry, Dave. I don't mean to cut you off, Dave. No. My next point's not. My next point's not real, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Do you have a point to go off of, Dave? No, I don't. I, I don't have another point unless you, you know you had something. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I have. I guess what I should do. What we should mine really quickly. I'm trying to pick the best of your internal communiques, uh, because you've had some really great ones. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this just because Damien isn't here, and I feel like this is the best way to to talk about this band. But um, you mentioned in the Brody King episode there was some sort of talk about what bands have blown away, fucked up, who've opened for yeah. fucked up before. And so Damien gave an answer, and three of the bands he listed, one was Look Back and Laugh, the other was King Con and the Shrines, and the other was the OCs. Um, now, I've... No, I've never seen either, any of them, actually. But I've seen King really? Kong in different variations. I didn't get to see Look Back and Laugh, and the OCs I definitely could see, but I just haven't yet. Um, but Look Back and Laugh is always a band I've heard about their live reputation, so I wasn't shocked to hear that. But King Con, I mean, I've seen King Con yeah, play with um, Barbecue, but I've never seen the Shrine, yeah. so I don't know how much of the live set is really that different. But um, I'm trying to remember which one I saw of yeah. King Con. I saw King Con. I kind of thought it was with the Shrines, to be honest. But I mean, if there were more than two people on the stage, it had to be with the Shrines. Yeah. Yeah, really? that's what I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, but the thing is, I think that's a totally different animal than Look Back and Laugh. Yeah, agree. Because yep. like it's it's like a spectacle for sure. Yeah. But it wasn't like a band where like they're all like jumping, but still somehow like playing their instruments and like going crazy, which is what Look Back and Laugh was. Yeah. Um, I saw Look Back and Laugh. I don't know six times. I I more. I don't know. I saw them a bunch for being not in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um And they were. Yeah, I, I, I saw them on multiple tours. They were great, great, great live. Um, I mean, not like the records were bad, but the records didn't, you know, the live show is really great. Like, that was what was really awesome about them. Yeah, um, I don't think that's, a, so. I think most people would have said what you just said. I don't think that's uncommon to know. Um, again, I own the records, but yeah, I never got to see them. Everyone's legend of them is basically saying exactly what you're saying. I I feel like maybe they did, did like I'm assuming they came out east. Is that how you saw them, or were you out west? Yeah, yeah, I saw them. They played like those. They played at least one pointless fest. 
Okay. Um, and maybe they did a tour on their own after that. I definitely saw them in like Philly and Allentown, probably New York or New Jersey. You know, I, I saw them, I feel like, you know, at least twice a tour, if not three times a tour when they'd come through. Yeah. So, yeah, I saw them a bunch. And they have like, what, two LP? Well, I mean, if they have LPs, they might just be considered 12 inches, but they have three 12 inches, what, uh, a seven inch? I should have like looked this up. There's, they, there's they at look- least there's two seven inches because I own two seven inches. Like okay. one, one Damien like convinced me to buy, and mm-hmm. I wasn't that moved by it. And then I found one in Oakland a couple weeks ago uh, that was two dollars, so I bought it. And yeah. once again, wasn't necessarily that moved by it. It's fine, but not yeah. Yeah, know? I think they they were one of those sort of regional phenomena that I could say, and, and live especially from what I'm gathering. Um, I like them, great band, of course. Um, quick reference for listeners who don't know, but episode 83 with Casey Watson, Casey was in, um, look back and laugh as well. But anyway, go on, David. Yeah, and also features uh, Brian Stern, who was mm-hmm. in Dead and Gone, and was in Talk is Poison, and yep. uh, California Love. He was in a bunch of bands, great guy. Yep. Does Bad Skulls, like screen printing, super nice. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, I just thought the uh, the reference to naming the bands he thought had upstaged them at some point when they played. Um, but yeah, I hadn't seen, well, any of them arguably, but uh, I, the King Kong one I've seen in some variety, I could imagine. I really like the Shrines record, so I could see that. But um, were you asking that, though, Dave Martin, as someone who was surprised to hear that you thought there was someone that had upstaged them or you were just asking him just to to say i mean i I wanted to know i wanted to specifically know what bands damien thought yeah yeah blew them off the stage gotcha uh and and it was a uh a very interesting list um like i said he had he had talked up look back and laugh to me so i wasn't surprised at that and i guess i'm not surprised at the other two as well i mean you know erish is he's I could see, especially in the right context, if he, like, wanted to, like, really go for it, he, he really can. He's he's a, he's an entertainer. Yeah. Um, and The Shrines, I think, is, is obviously a lot different than King Con and Barbecue. Yeah. Um, and it maybe gives him a little more freedom while the band is more controlled. Yep, fair uh, So King Con and Barbecue is kind of just absolute chaos yeah they were great so. though i mean i saw them fairly oh. recently and they were they were pretty even for a two-piece without real like you know real drums or whatever you want to say like it was still pretty rocking and pretty i i don't know i got i thought they were excellent yeah no i'm i i, I mean i've always defaulted to king con and barbecue and not the shrines <laughs> see so. we differ there i like it all but i i appreciate that but i like those shrines some of those shrines records i just love so yeah either way so cool. So yeah, I was I was just interested in in what his thoughts of, uh, and I'm sure if you asked everybody in that band, um, that you would probably get a different list of three bands that they thought blew them off the stage at some point. Yeah, I think that is. I never thought that would be a funny. That would be a funny one because you would. Yeah. I, I was trying to think of all the bands. Like I was trying to think of other bands. Not that I, like fucked up are a great live band. Don't get me wrong. Like. I was just trying to think of groups that I know of that they played with that maybe I felt there was a different list. But I struggled to think, you know, even when he had mentioned those, um, 
I was just trying to think of some of the groups they played with. I mean, in the early, you know, the early incarnation of Fucked Up, they were playing with, like, hardcore bands and stuff, so that's a bit of a different animal, because I never feel that's, like, a really, like, headliner v. opener scenario, because I kind of feel like bands, you know, maybe naively, are on the same, you know, level. I don't really feel like there's any real, you know, in that sort of scene, there's no real, to me anyway, there's no real, like, oh, this band is a headliner, this isn't. I mean, there's, yeah, okay, if, you know, someone like the Cro-Mags plays, of course they're going to headline, but... By and large, if you're like, you know, a group within three to five years, you know, you're the same to me as a group that's, you know, six months old, really. I don't really, dis- I don't make a distinction. But, um, anyway. You, you know, you think that sometimes, and, uh, but then you get your eyes opened about how much bigger another band is than you. Sure, but what I mean uh, is, like, audience or even, uh, appeal aside, even. The idea, though, that like the mindset of the people performing in that sort of context, by and large, from my experience, is that no one really has that mindset, if you will. Like, I've been around like different sort of the outside community of that, where there is that prevalent mindset of like, this is a headlining band and this isn't. And I just in the punk scene, I've never experienced. Perhaps again, maybe I haven't experienced enough, but just like, I it tends to be pretty. I don't know. I don't feel that's like, the way it's gone, from my experiences. Like, Tear It Up played with, uh, like, What Happens Next a bunch of times. Yep. Like, I'm, I don't know how many times. Like, we'll just say we did eight shows with them on the What Happens Next Life's Hall tour. Like, between the East Coast and West Coast. Yeah. You know, like, they were more popular than us, but, like, I don't think that it was, like, you know, night and day. But they, they were more popular. We played with a show with them in Europe. And it was, that was night and day. Then it's like, oh, oh, that, they are popular. God, <laughs> God, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, that show was, 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 was very big. Like, of our European tour shows, that was like a bigger one. And it's just like, oh, this is like what all of their shows are like on this tour. This is just the one we played. <laughs> um, and then you realize like, oh, okay, I get it. But, I mean, not, you know. It would be weird for me to try to think of like bands that blew us off the, blew me off the stage because of, well, I don't know what I'd be basing it on. Like, there's times like that where you're like, this band is significantly more popular than us, and, you know, you, you seem like, not like those dudes weren't rock stars, like, those dudes are were our buddies, and I'm still on good terms with any of them if I see them, but, uh, and I stay with, you know, I know Robert real well, but, uh, but then there are other bands where you're, like, playing with, like, No Justice or something like that, where it's just, like, a totally different animal when they play. Exactly. That's kind of, I yeah. guess, more what I'm trying to hit on. That's what I mean, is, like, it's not necessarily, like, popularity-wise, but sometimes it's such just, like, a raw, unleashed, like, mania that just is not captured by a group that's necessarily, like, drawing a thousand people. You know what I mean? Did you see? Uh, did you see them, Chris? I never saw them. And no, I've seen footage of, from the era, but no. But yeah, that was one of those groups. Like, I feel I feel like that era had a good amount of groups that had like a really were known for being like such live spectacles, you know. And that was like mm-hmm. one. Like, of course, Cleveland has you know their own as well. Or like you know, there's there was always those groups. I think even yours had a rep for being a great live band, like Tear It Up. We- we tried, you know. No, but, yeah. So you know. it's, you know. So anyway, yeah. I don't know where we were going or where I why I went off on that little tangent, but um, I just thought it was funny that you asked, Mr. Martin, and I thought it was very. I, I like that Damien didn't really hesitate and just was like, "Yep, here they are." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. In our, in yeah our, like that, instantly. I, 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember if that was in the group text or what that was in, but yeah, he had an answer very quickly on that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, we're running. Uh, we're running on the hour. I'm trying to think of anything else we want to touch on before we uh, depart. I mean, here. I had I had notes for for Blake. You know, I you know I can. All right. Well, whatever. What do you let let go on them? Uh, as far as uh, things that are not real points, I did want to point out for the the turnout of punk footnote listener that uh, that was another reference to Loverboy coming up. As far as Canadian importance, uh, <laughs> Loverboy also was mentioned in that that podcast as well as on, <laughs> I referenced it in some other ones to like shoe it in there. Um, I, I really enjoy, like once again, like I don't think it makes total sense because when I think about when Jawbreaker formed. I guess I just never thought about that dude being that old to, to, you know, as far as like the amount of heat that he dropped, as far as like seeing like the adolescence and black flag and the Minutemen and who's Gurdu and early suicidal. Like he referenced a lot of like real hitter West coast, you know, hardcore punk. It's like, you know, I guess that dude is 50 because I looked it up and he's 50. Um, <laughs> you know, that it's like, you know, I, you know, I just never would have thought of like, that dude being that old school, which I think is, is super cool, you know, and I think, you know, I always enjoy hearing those kind of stories and from seeing like things like, uh, decline or, uh, what's the, the one with social distortion and that I'm blanking another on, state uh, of mind. another state of mind, like how huge punk was in the West coast and how as an East coaster, we like, you know, we have so much like pride in New York and all this, but like, California shows could just eat those shows live. They oh, were yeah, super, yeah. super violent, and there was twice as many people. <laughs> yeah, no. When you see that footage, you were just like, "How are there so many people there?" You know. Yeah. And then you're like, "Well, why? Like, why didn't they just take over if they had that many people?" Well, hardcore takes over is a different thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, like the same way to make it an homage that. Uh, Damien referenced in like his I think it was in talking about like sub pop like limited releases that there's only 4,000 of like the the, the 25,000 copies of damage with the sticker like oh yeah just the yeah just the you know the same way in UK was the same you know like all those like no future records where there's like oh the first press is 5,000 copies of the new band you know like but like yeah I mean those those Olympic, uh, Olympic shows were just bonkers at how huge they were and that seemed like that was just like all local bands just to show there's that many people there yeah i think you uh you nailed it and spoiler alert we do touch on a little bit of what you talked about on the footnote that has yet to be dropped that isn't this one but um which will come <laughs> out before this one <laughs> but uh the um is he going to drop both Oh, I don't know. That's who knows. But the uh, so the listener will have already heard it, I guess, by the time they hear this. But um, but I was with you, but with the age thing for sure, I was kind of shocked myself. I didn't expect a lot of the references that he was bringing up to be touched on at all. So I was pretty. I was I was into it more than I thought I would be. Not that I thought I would dislike it, but um, anyway. And when I when I I think about his trajectory, I also enjoy being like you know an early eighties. California hardcore, you know, uh, let's just say like participant to then being like, uh, I'm just going to get into like St. Vitus and trouble and, and rat become just like an arson, an arsonist, you know, like that whole, <laughs> that trajectory of Blake, I really enjoyed as well. Like me, we didn't, they didn't yeah. really go into his like rock and roll era, but like 
that's I think that's cool that that happened. <laughs> well, another thing you bring up is just the geography, like where he is at certain times. And it's always yeah, all and, over. And it's, it's amazing. Really crazy. Yeah, it's always good. Like even the Canadian mention is crazy. Like you, yeah. you, you wouldn't ever place that. And, and so, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. It was one of the better ones for hearing someone's story that you would just have never imagined being the way it is personally. Yeah, I mean, to see, like, the like the Husker Du and Black Flag and stuff like that, but then also, like, you know, then move to New York and go to, like, Sunday matinees, like, during, like, the, like, he, I guess he would have been late 80s, like, the, the yeah. CV Sun and, like, that era. Um, <clears throat> also, you know, you know, and then still went on to be in, like, a huge, I mean, I don't, it's, it's weird to call Jawbreaker, I, I wouldn't really call them, like, indie rock, but they're, like proto indie rock. Yeah, it's like they're they're not indie rock, but they're not like not indie rock. You know, it's <laughs> it's 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 punk, but in that very you know indie rock informed, or you know, as you said, proto indie rock. <laughs> well said, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Uh, speaking of that, Dave, Mr. Martin, did you have any parting thoughts on that episode of that gentleman? No, I mean, I, I was super into like. You know, there were just some references that I, I got a kick out of as well. Like, I'm always uh, a sucker for anyone mentioning Live Skull. Um, <laughs> y- you know, um, and that, uh, obviously he also brought up uh, Flower, um, who, you know, like, they were a band that I saw a couple times. Um, and uh, I was so on fire about that shitty NPR article. Um, <laughs> that uh, it just seemed very timely um, to bring up Flower, who were pre-Cell, who who got called out in that NPR article as having no business being signed to a major label, which I still dispute. But um, oh, and then just the other, the amazing line, amazing when he was like, "It was before water." Uh, when he was talking about being dehydrated. He was like, "Yeah, yeah. it was before water." <laughs> No, that that was really funny. I mean, yeah. if you think about you know think about a movie like Heather's when they with how they spin bottled water, yeah, um, it's yeah, it's not that regular people do don't do. You know, that was like a sign that someone was like a, a homosexual because they drink water. You know, so <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, you know, I I can't. I'm old enough certainly to remember the times before yeah. water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Uh, what about what about uh, his musical period of just being like a backing band for performance art? I uh, th- when he talks about like playing in a band in New York while there's like you know performance art and and tights and it's just like theater. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like he, yeah. He's like he's sort of like he had like this whirlwind time in New York where he was like going to shows at CBS you know, instantly in somebody's like art project band, you know, like, I mean, I guess it was just New York and he's soaking it all up. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was just like, how did like, I mean, if that was the, the shoe shoe guy, it would make sense. Cause that would just be like what that dude's life apparently was, uh, in listening to his episode. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't see it for the jawbreaker guy. <laughs> um, something that, that he referenced that, I tried to think about this and I couldn't do research, but I think it's a good topic to to, to germinate on. Is the I when they, and when they were talking about drama rama, 
Yep. The idea of a band having one track that is like head and shoulders above the rest of their catalog. Um, and the, it made me like really like try to go through. I mean, I guess if I'm going through bands I like, I generally don't have bands I just like a single song by. Yeah. But like that is like my experience with Kill by Death in trying to be like, well, how's the B side? <laughs> no, it's, it's usually not so good. And, and I, I question if, you know, like, like, you know, those times you're like, oh, I found the other Jimmy Lumia single. Like, this is going to get me rich. And you're like, nope, both sides <laughs> are bad. Um, <laughs> I so, think there are probably a few, like, on that first Kill by Death, like, there's probably a few on there that I think the B-sides would be okay. Like, isn't that whole Nubs record decent? Isn't that on one? I'm not sure. I, I mean, like, but even, like, the Freeze, the Freeze have, like, you know, a... A second great seven inch, a good LP, but the B side of I Hate Taurus, that that other song's terrible. <laughs> I'm blanking on what it's called right now, but and even like the AK forty seven, the badge means you suck. Like great Kiss My record. Machines Kiss My Machine's not that great. Yeah, you're right. It's, the other song on that Yeah, the, the but the A like that's the thing with that though, is they like the A side is so good it doesn't matter. That's the that's no, the yeah. appeal. The A side's right? awesome, but I mean, I've I've definitely listened to Kiss My Machine plenty of times, but it, it's it's not it's 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 not great compared to the A side. <laughs> yep, <laughs> like that was an interesting but, segue. <laughs> no, but I think I feel like that's a conversation that that Damien would jump all over because like there probably is stuff that you're like, yeah, that that one song is fucking killer, but yeah, the rest of it not so much. He, I almost wanted yeah. to say absol- Absolution, but they actually have two songs, so you know they. <laughs> Yeah, he would be all over that. I mean, I the well, I don't, you know, even you and Damien actually discussing amongst yourselves would be a pretty phenomenal conversation over here, to be honest. But like some of the ones that he would reference off that, I'm sure he could give us the examples of the of the great A side B sides. I think on the like the earliest Kill by Death, there's probably a handful at least. Um, but I think you're right by and large. The idea that you know there's a reason why. <laughs> That you're, you're, the obscurity of like the one song, you, you know, oversells the group or whatever on the record. Like, even them, yeah. so I like that Nova single, even. But, like, you know, yeah, the A side, the A sides are just so far and above. Or even if it's, I don't even, sometimes I, I don't even know if they're the A sides, but whatever. The one song is yeah, so song. much, you know, far, far and above the, the others that it's undeniable. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Great talk. I mean, I, I feel like. I feel like the, the you know I'm, I'm just looking at Kill by Death one, like the dogs had more than one good song. Yeah, you know, but like the Mad were you know they're they have other songs. Yeah, that's but a good yeah. single but, though. But I hate music is clearly the better song. <laughs> True, off, but, I agree. But, you know, <laughs> I agree. That would be a good debate. I'm sure there's probably people out there that would be that would argue that one. I feel like that would be a hot button one. Well, looking at looking at, I'm just looking at Kill by Death one. Kill by Death one is like really low hanging fruit because like it has like Kraut, but like no one's gonna tell you that Kraut has one good song. Yeah, you know. What's that? Yeah, yeah no, you know, I think at the time it was yeah, uh, maybe you know, especially since that was the first one, there was just so much easy stuff that he did right off the bat. Yeah, you know, um, that was like, you know. Yeah, very. It, it, it was low hanging fruit. 
you know, all of course great, but uh, I, I I think later on was when you got into some, you know things that were could be considered only had one one great song. Or something. Yeah, like I don't remember the other Freestone song, but there's no way it's better than Bummer Bitch. You know? No, it's it's actually it's bad. Um, Church, um, yeah. I mean, it's I'm, I'm looking at, I'm, yeah. You know, and just look and just looking at it, Discogs, it does have someone that they credit with tambourine. So I'm I'm gonna say that just right there, that song can't be as good. <laughs> I don't yeah. think tambourine's not always a bad thing. To be fair, yeah, but it's, it's not it like saxophone. Like a, high, a high credit to have, you know, like I, I played tambourine in freestyle. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to his episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's had a tambourine player on yet. I hope he I hope he gets yeah. to it one day. That'll be good. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we just hit the most footnotes of footnotes version of the show, the end of it here. Um, is there anything else we want to discuss, or do you want to want to wrap it? I think we're done. I'm right. fine. Yeah. I feel it's late enough, and uh, we've exhausted a lot of these topics as much as we can. And uh, we've done as admirable a job as we can do without the main man, Damien, being here. Um, but I appreciate both of you folks joining me, of course. It's been uh, a lot better than doing it on my own, as discussed at the beginning of the show. <laughs> um, I mean, I assume next next week it's just going to be you solo, correct? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. No, I don't ever plan to do that. Um, so hopefully we can figure something out if I ever have to do it again. <laughs> Um, but uh, I'm trying to think of what we normally end on that we can say here, other than, of course, our thoughts are with Damien and the family, if they're listening. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Thanks for joining me. Is there anything you guys want to plug, I guess, before we get off uh, the the pod here? I, I want to plug something weird. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the the band I do, Obedience, uh, just did a European release of our, ta- of our second demo. Nice. So if you want to... Uh, pick up uh, a copy of that in Europe because uh, postage from the U.S. to Europe is super expensive and, you know, we did not have great European distribution. So Offside Records uh, in France, which also put out a ton of great stuff if you want uh, bought to buy a whole bunch of European tapes. But uh, uh, that, that just came out. Uh, like the, He mailed us our copies today. So I don't actually have one, but just to give that a plug, uh, nice. Google... Offside records, you'll find. However, that. if you look up offside records on Discogs, you, um, you, you're not on the same label as Belinda Carlisle, are you? Uh, I mean, he's got a lot of stuff. So if, if we're that correct, connected, you know, then heaven truly would be a place on earth. But, oh, well done. But uh, no, I, I assume it's a different one. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you'd be looking for offside records, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mr. Yeah. Martin, what do you have? If any, anything to promote? Uh, no, I'm promoting nothing. Gosh, right. no. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to depart this week, and that siren is perfect. Uh, for... yeah, yeah, cops are here, we gotta go. All right. Yeah. All right, everyone, <laughs> go out there and make your own culture, and uh, anyone can do this. There we go. (laughs) Nicely done. All right, thanks for listening, folks. Because I think they didn't really, I mean, again, I could be proven wrong. I don't remember a lot, like, factually, like, in terms of exactly what show, what year, blah, blah. But, like, 
I don't remember them playing a lot in the yeah, on, on like Suffer or on uh, whatever, like even Surplus Sons or stuff like that. I Surplus don't Sons, I remember playing quite a bit. Like not quite a bit, I but I remember them playing. Whereas like No Warning for a time period, I remember they came through with SNFU. Yeah, I wasn't home for that, but yeah, I remember that. Uh, I remember who else they came through with. Um, but yeah, like yeah, right. They, I don't think they played very often. But you're, you, you know, be exactly the same sort of thing. Yeah, it's a different. I mean, and like again, uh, by no means am I making that comparison either. Because like, I mean, you and I, at least, uh, you know, I would think we're in accord here. Like, I hold that <laughs> original era of No Warning very, very high, and that's you know not to throw any shade at any of the groups, but like, I just mean it's just one of those scenarios of seeing a group that people regionally have this. Uh, I don't know, leg up on having seen in these special times. Mm-hmm. And perhaps you see them a bit later and say you're out of the region and then you catch them and you're, you're maybe not quite catching the same animal that existed, you know, whatever, some years earlier or even sometimes a year earlier, whatever. That's all I mean. Yeah, I'm trying to think like one of the best no warning shows I saw would be like April 6th. Definitely. <clears throat> um, and, there's a lot. I mean, they were all good for a window. I can't even uh, remember. April 6th, yeah, I guess April 6th, the Cathedral show. What was the April 6th one? That's where cathed- uh, fucked up at the Transac. Okay, yeah. I think it was April 6th, right? Like it was like talking the break the, the breakout. Yeah, I missed that. The one. The Teal okay, breakout yeah. show. Yeah. And then they did. Uh, they had a show at the Cathedral where they ended with "Fight for Your Right to Party." Yeah, that was incredible. I was there. And that then, was incredible. Yeah, and then they had the. The surprise mental set where they jumped on. Yeah, that was big. That was another one I was thinking of. That, that was, was weird because they awesome. didn't. I don't think they even really played a full set. I think they only played like no. four songs. Well, you something. know what happened, right? Like they were okay. So like they were all that show, and I was like watching them with uh, Josh Voinovich because he was going to be my roommate. <laughs> yeah. For people from friend from, from, friend of mine, yes, as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's also like uh you know, like a a, a music uh aficionado been involved he's a, and stuff. Puts he's on a great sh- man, yes. He puts Love on him. shows, right? From my neck of the woods. He d- he did he used to put on punk shows way back and uh he does some kind of uh shows now I don't know exactly what. Super minimal yeah. synth stuff now, I guess. But anyway. Yeah. Great guy. At the time yeah. he was uh into some Fairly dumb hardcore. That's coming from a person that was also into some fairly dumb hardcore. <laughs> yes, we all are. Yeah. yeah. And so we were uh, hanging out that show, uh, and all the No Warning guys were there, so I was hanging out with the No Warning guys, too, and then he had to give me money for first and last for rent for the apartment. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden, the No Warning guys just, like, disappeared, and I'm like, okay, well, let's go to the bank. And so we went to the bank, the TD Bank, for him to give me the money, and we walked by Lee's Palace, and I'm like... And we hear this band playing. And, like, this shows that this club, the Transac, for those of you not from Toronto, it's, like, around the corner from Lee's Palace, basically. Yeah, it's, like, a block. A almost, block. Yeah. So we're, like, and I'm, like, that sounds like fucking No Warning. And then he's, like, yeah. And so we go inside Lee's Palace and No Warning's playing to a room full of industry people. That's like, right. It was some weird showcase. I remember that. Yeah, a weird showcase. They played a bunch of uh, songs that... I don't think they would suffer survive songs. I think it were, they were songs from like another demo from that kind of crossover period. And then yeah. they went down the street and jumped on the Transact show and played some Transact, uh, some songs of the Transact. Yeah, and it was it was next level. That I didn't see the industry one like you were talking about, but I I was at that Transact show and um, Transact show smoked the industry one. 
Yeah, the show. <laughs> no, obviously, yeah. yeah. But the uh, the show for the Transact one was amazing. Anyway, it was like the bill was great. Oh, but, the bill uh, was crazy. It was. Yeah, for them to hop on, measures? that's like prime era mental too. So it was like them hopping on after or whatever during. I can't remember if Mental then played still, or they ended the show. I think I they remember. ended the show. I think Mental but, was just like, we're done. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, but anyway, it was it was a special little, like, those kind of moments were special. Yeah, that was a big one for me. Even though it wasn't a full set, it was huge. Also, when they jumped on uh, at that fucked up uh, weekend show that we did in Brampton, or Burlington. So they got up and did Violent Minds. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah uh-huh. I think they did some No Warning that stuff was... after that. That was like into the Suffer Survive era. That was at the 4Mac in Burlington, yep. Yeah. And you guys dressed up like Poison Idea. Yeah, we did a Poison Idea cover set. Yeah. You did the intro to po- the to Feel the Darkness. Yeah. Into, we did, did like did four whole... songs. That's right. But I remember definitely remember you did the whole intro and everything, yeah. And then we did uh, No Warning covers. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. Righteous Jams played. Yeah, correct. And Shark Attack. Oh, Shark Attack played that too. Wall, yeah. And Brain Handle. And Brain Handle. God and, damn it, we were good at booking shows. And Mind Eraser. Yeah. And fucking Mind Eraser. Yeah, I have that. I'm looking at the f- the the poster right now. It was Saturday, October 29th of I don't know what year. But yeah, anyway, we're reminiscing now. We're off topic of the subject we are way of the off show. Topic. We are way, way <laughs> off topic. It's uh, a straight friendship hour now. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's, uh, uh, also, he brought up uh, he brought up some great Japanese hardcore stories, too, that yeah. I, of course, you know, that band Clown is <laughs> one of the most interesting bands uh, right now. A band that probably won't be coming over to North America anytime soon. Yes, and I kept the only thing I know about that group is the only thing you've told me, so I have nothing to add on this other than what you said. And all pretty much all I know about is from what I've heard, kind of tell of them. Uh, I missed them every single time I was in Japan by like a day or so. Oh, bummer! I mean, like the two times I was in Japan this summer. Yeah. Um, So I still have yet to see them. Once again, I love talking about wrestlers, so we talk a lot about wrestling. Which I'm sure for Chris was not as exciting. <laughs> no comment. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but we also talked about another subject that's a favorite of Chris and mine, which is Juggalos. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. It was funny hearing you guys talk about. It, to be fair, I, I want to. <laughs> one thing I want to bring up in relation to what you're saying, because I like your theory in in a wild, sensational <laughs> Damien theory uh, history that you have. But human, the idea that Human Furnace possibly influenced all Juggalos <laughs> is probably one of the wildest theories I've ever heard you say. Well, um, let me add a little fuel to the fire. Okay, okay. since this episode, I've been talking to Kevin Gill, who will be coming on a future episode, who was mentioned in this, <laughs> who's the hardcore yeah. Juggalo connection. And yeah. he mentioned how when the first time he hung out with Violent J, he talked to Violent J about you know, hardcore, so he got mentioned hardcore, and he goes, oh, like Cold as Life? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, you know, stoke those fires, Chris. Human furnace. Stoke that furnace, I should say. That human <laughs> furnace. <laughs> what I was going to say to you is you were talking about how he possibly influenced that, and in theory, I, I think it's a very big stretch, of course, but I 
the human furnace thing for me is definitely like a uh, what you're talking about with the paint is definitely like like a um, why is his name escaping me right now like a King Diamond Alice Cooper uh, whatever homage yeah and to suggest that perhaps that influenced them you know I still think it's a stretch but okay I can entertain that idea I still think it's not true <laughs> but um. And, I, and therefore, the association doesn't work for me. But yeah, um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if we've unearthed. I recall someone showing me on tour once a flyer, which I believe we've discussed on this show, where I could have sworn that ICP and Cold as Life played a gig together. Yes, at I least, think I've seen that flyer. I've seen that flyer. So... Of course, there's some kind of, mind you, clearly regional uh, association, but I still think your your fantasy of like uniting the juggalos with like the hardcore punk world. Chris, I only uh, need I only need a little bit to make this work. Of course, I only need him to have walked into a club one time (laughs) and been like, "Oh shit, that looks cool." Which I'm not saying happened, but if it did happen, it would be a mind-blowing thing to find out. Well, when you interview the Human Furnace, this will be a great topic you can bring up. (laughs) And I'm curious uh, what his thoughts will be on you thinking that he completely influenced the world of Juggalos. It's not his fault. Like, you know, you can't be responsible for what you influence. Of course. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. You know, like... There's been plenty of great artists have influenced not so great art in their wake, you know. Sure. Like, think about all the crappy songs like an amazing jam like Homies inspired from other not so good <laughs> artists. <laughs> you know, whereas Homies is a classic. No, definitely not. Yeah. But uh yes, it is. <laughs> I love that you always throw that in though. <laughs> it's but, it's uh... a classic. <laughs> I don't even I don't even know what to say. I've said no to this so many times in the show. I feel like you could cut a tape together. Homies um, makes me wish I had a convertible so I could just play it and just like (laughs) roll around. And it makes me wish I had hair to get myself frosted tips. (laughs) Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you you were so amped on it. Again, I can't wait. I, I have no doubt, though, you will one day encounter one or both of them and that encounter is going to be an epic Damien conversation. Oh, gosh, yeah. There's stuff I want to talk to both of them about so badly. Well, the world of wrestling alone, you're going to – it'll happen. I have no – I have not even an, an ounce of doubt in my mind that that will happen. But, I, uh, there's hope, Chris. There's hope. But, yeah, I, I don't – I uh, my position on the show on this is that I cannot acknowledge your theory on the world of punk and jugglers colliding at this point. That's well, my uh, – official position we've had we've had friends of the insane clown posse on the show so we are close but if i can do a turn at a punk with insane clown posse my god i might send the podcast (laughs) sure you know or like there's like there's certain things that like you know i would love to do with this thing like you know like sit down with uh josh brolin and you know finally hash that out but I don't know. I think that might be topped by sitting down with Insane Clown Posse and getting to the bottom of the human furnace influence on their face paint, getting to the bottom <laughs> of the Coldest Life show, 
at the bottom of probably some killer negative approach stories they have. I think you're going to get a little bit out of the Cole's life stories, maybe, but I don't know about anything else. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll Truthfully. See. We'll see. Wait for that. Turn out a punk ICP episode <laughs> coming soon. I, I do genuinely hope it happens, I will say. Like, I'm not... I do think it would be entertaining and, and informative, for sure. Oh, I just yeah. don't know how much of your dreams are going to, you know, come crashing down when you realize that perhaps it's nothing, nothing more than a, you know, a local gig that was shared once. Uh, yeah, well, even if it was just that one local gig that was shared, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's like some crazy ass story for the backstage. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'll give you that. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I, you, uh, sorry, you've got the next point. Okay. So, um, one of the other things I thought was funny in, uh, the discussion you had was groups that are ruined for you because of people or associations that you think like there's a bit of a topic with mm-hmm. that. I can't remember mm-hmm. what group he's thinking of. He's talking about but, it in relation to Pantera and Slayer and because there the, we go. Yeah, the yeah. white power kids uh, yeah. that he hated were into those bands. He could never like them. Yes. And I think uh, one, I just like to acknowledge that um, as a fan of both of those groups, uh, Oh, sorry, up to a point Pantera um, Slayer. I'm pretty good with across the board, but um, the, yeah, th- that's definitely accurate. Like for him being about our age, he's a bit younger, but I can verify that. Yeah. There was definitely a point when like certainly the archetype of a Pantera fan became like unbearable. Um, so I related with him saying that, uh, having said that, I thought it was in- interesting that those were the two specific groups. Of course, based on what he's saying, it makes complete sense how that would be, uh, whatever, like frustrating, but, um, and also, neither one of those groups, I think, would be uh, two groups I would align myself with politically on a political spectrum. <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> Just from sure. things that certain members sure. say yes. from both bands. Yes, um, I get, yeah. Like, we're not even talking nuance at this point. It's yeah, just like. Rest in peace, Dimebag, you know, still, like, you know, no disrespect at all. Yeah, yeah. But other exactly. members have but said some like, pretty yeah. wild shit over the years. Yes. And the fan bases of these groups, like, are not, it's not a stretch to say that they're fairly unbearable. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not even fairly outright. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, I was trying to think like, do you have any similar, um, like groups that have been like that for you or were like that? I think you mentioned the pistols like, early on were definitely oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. that. I remember seeing the like wax figure of them in, uh, an exhibit at, uh, the rock and roll experience or something in London, England. And they had swastikas yeah. on and they were jumping. And I remember asking my dad, like, what is this? This isn't cool. And he kind of explained yeah. it like, no, they're just like, you know, playing with it and, and trying to provoke people using it. Like they don't actually believe in it. And yeah, yeah. you know, now I realize, like, yeah, my dad was kind of explaining to me, you know, obviously it's a little more complicated than that. <laughs> <'Cause> that <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course. Uh, but he definitely explained it in a way that I could understand as a kid. But still, like, that was a group that I was, until I really sat down and started listening to it a, a little bit older, I was like, oh, I want nothing to do with this. What, is there any others you can think of? I'm trying to think. Uh, I've got a couple, but they're pretty oh, in, Integrity, early on. Really? Why that one? Uh, I just didn't like how everyone was obsessed with them at that oh, point, And it okay. wasn't until I sat down and was like, oh, fuck, they're probably the best band of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of some other ones that I was just like, 
For me, it was like kind of ones that I think people who listen to the show and certainly you are not going to be surprised by, but Misfits were the one for me for ages. Mm-hmm. But not really anything political other than just like the people I knew that tended to like that were always just kind of dicks or assholes or whatever. And so they always rubbed me the wrong way, even though I could never deny that some of the music is definitely decent, but like I just couldn't get into it. And the other one was The Exploited, because for whatever reason... Early on, I'm talking like when I was young. This mm-hmm. is when I was still like interested in metal and kind of just new stuff by like T-shirt logo kind of looking things. I didn't know their music really, and there was like a uh, kind of local, not quite what he's discussing, like the white power thing or whatever. But there was definitely like you know kind of sketchy young skinhead types that were like weird that always repped that kind of stuff. So my association with that group like early on was not good. And then it took me some time to like kind of like break that whatever association in my head, and then actually kind of you know give those records a chance. Of which, of course, they're great. But um, yeah, those were the two that jumped out at me. I just thought it was a funny thing of like kind of bands being ruined for you, and then you realizing like, well, hold on, wait, maybe I'm <laughs> not you know whatever, whatever you want to say. About it's it, well, it's even weirder when you kind of like you know get through it and realize like even as you're older, like oh no, they they kind of were. The band was a little yep. dodgy. Like, you know, like, listen to Jello talk about the exploited. Yeah, of course. I still think, I yeah, that one's a difficult one because I don't, I see what he's saying. I still think it's a little unfair to, to, to completely call them, you know, something that I feel, I, I don't know if his, I agree entirely with his accusations, what I'm trying to say. But I do, yeah, I get what you mean there. Like what you were discussing in the first two we brought up. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's it's funny how, especially in your formative years, that can be like a big a big thing. Um, and for me, like again, another example probably was, and I don't obviously feel this way because I really like the early records, but um, Deglo was one for me that I couldn't mm-hmm. get around for mm-hmm. a minute because of the association in the era of like you know. Like sort of the prominent propaganda era is what I would say. Mm-hmm. You know that the kind of stuff that they were like provoking was really not. You know, I was really not down with. And uh, now, of course, I see it in a different light. Although I don't really, I'm not a big fan of the era of that group. To be fair, yeah, um, it's so it's so hard to get behind any lyrics uh, from that band at any era. <laughs> that's like, true. Like, that's that is true. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like I'm going back to the the first album and being like, no, they, they, they've got <laughs> some good. They've got some good points on some of these things. <laughs> no, some really that, sketchy yeah. ass songs in that first LP. Yes, but I just mean to say that, you know, like I just aside from that, you know, the records, the early records, I do enjoy. I don't think the era of which I am discussing was entirely representative of what that group was initially not mm-hmm. to say they weren't mm-hmm. always kind of provoking in that sort of punk sensationalistic way but um or, or whatever classic punk sensationalistic way however you want to phrase it i would say forgotten but, rebels too if we're talking like that style of band and i'm like bands yeah with eras that you you know and then like <clears throat> bands with lyrics that obviously now i understand you know doesn't take away the fact that they're super offensive and i can see why people will not be able to get past that yeah, but at the same time, like I can see that they were, you know, they weren't intending these as to be taken at face value. Yeah, they were satire, of course. Yeah, yeah. they're probably the best example of that, actually, because mm-hmm. uh, I liked that group very, very early on. Well, not, of course, they're much older than I am, but 
when I first heard them, I liked them. Then, of course, I like, you know, you get a bit of a conscience. And then I thought, oh, well, this is a little whatever. And then, I again, I also, like you, had to eventually reckon with the idea, like, oh, yeah, this isn't like, you know, this is like, you know, taking a shot at this more mm-hmm. than like. But, again, <laughs> they're fans. Uh, yeah. Yeah, their fans didn't always get it. No, exactly. Of this, of the eras we're talking, about. these are very specific regional things that we're kind of hashing out. Here. Yeah, but, but I yeah. think these things played out oh, everywhere. <coughs> you know, like agreed. Yeah, at that time period, I think this was something that you know seemed like it was it was kind of everywhere that people were dealing with this with these bands and fan bases that that you know you know you had the Nazis that would show up at shows. No, agreed. Yeah. And it wasn't as big a problem as the generations before you and I, but no, well, still especially existed. where we are, because we had the BFGs. Yeah, yeah, true. And as you've heard, you can once again, listeners, if you haven't, <clears throat> go back and listen to. You can hear the story of how the BFGs beat Nazis across Canada over the course <clears throat> of a couple episodes. If you listen to the Propagandi episode, um, yeah, there's a couple episodes where they kind of talk about you know the Jordan one big time. And, and Chris. It's discussed in the Jordan one, too, yeah. Yeah, and Chris has that moment where he's at that show when the BFGs played, and it was just like, oh, yeah, we can fight these Nazis. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, a pretty it's pretty cool. Pretty pretty yep. uh, cool moment um, of kids standing up. Uh, but anyway, anyway um, yeah, we didn't really have to deal with it in the same sort of way, I think, as other cities had to deal with it. But that's still, you know, there's still, like, shows, like that Misfit show when all those Nazis showed up and beat all those kids up and stabbed someone or something, and, you know. Yeah, I think I think it was more of, obviously, like, it's still arguably an issue, of course, but mm-hmm. um, that era was, seemed a little, people seemed to be a little more susceptible to <clears throat> tolerating aspects of it. I think now... Like, well, certainly people don't tolerate it, obviously, but like the, um, I don't know, there's something I, I don't see, like talking about better now than then, that is one thing, <laughs> uh, for me unequivocally, but, and it's not to say it's gone, but, uh, it's certainly not to any degree that I've experienced since the early nineties mm-hmm. So, which is a benefit of course. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know what we were discussing on the back of the disliking bands for their for their fan bases idea, but um, yeah. Anyway, I thought it was interesting though him discussing that, and I think it's interesting that a guy that likes you know aggressive music so much dislikes Pantera and Slayer. Yeah, like I think he now that, respects yeah. them as like an adult looking at it, but I think yeah. you know once again it's the association, and there's something you know like you can't you know there's something you can't get past. Yeah, agreed. Um, and yeah, that's you know a a, a pretty uh, reasonable one to not be able to get past. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And as I said, both bands have members that have said some pretty horrendous things that you know <laughs> might have been like dog whistles to these <laughs> types of kids. <laughs> Perhaps yes. Uh, but I guess uh, is there anything else you want to get to from this episode? I can't think. That's the only notes I had were the ones other than you kind of you know earlier before we recorded <clears throat> we discussed the uh your rev over victory thing which of course oh yes you know, the controversy yes this has yeah. become a major controversy um <clears throat> i kind of would like to amend my original thing because i know my <laughs> you know i'm just saying like victory 
until the year 2000. You know? Because <laughs> then I yeah. can have Hatebreed and I can have all those integrity records in there. Uh, yes, I have to put in Baby Goffle and the High Fine the Roadburner stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, like, Rev had some pretty lean years in there. Yeah. And then, like, once Bob Shedd comes in and kickstart the Rev re- Renaissance, and you have yeah. all those great bands signing a Revelation, and that continues to this day. Um, and, you know, like, over on the other side, things went pretty downhill at Victory. <laughs> You know, there's a couple moments there where they put out some cool stuff, but, like, you know. So, I would say, like, I'm just saying, like, up until the year 2000. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm saying, that's, you know. I think that's even too many years, to be honest. You think? <laughs> oh, well, it's, I don't know, maybe See, that, not. That's, but... how, that's, how, that's how victory wins in the, in, in the 90s, the late 90s. <laughs> By your estimation, sure. Um... What, who are you? What, Will Haven? Oh, no, no. Like, I'll take Hebrew over Will Haven. Oh, no, for sure. Same. Absolutely. Um, I'm just looking at up to 2000. What? Kiss what Goodbye. Gets in there? I would definitely say Kiss Goodbye is there. <clears throat> well, you're on Rev. I'm looking at <laughs> Victory first here to see, you know, to be blunt about it, to see how much I don't approve of gets in under the radar there. Uh, Some good shit, though. Uh, yeah, there, yeah. It's not as bad as I remember. No. It's pretty awesome. Up to 2000. I thought it was bad. I, yeah, it got really dark after that. Yeah, it gets really it gets really bad at a certain point. Um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, you're not bad. You're pretty well, yeah. There's still, you know, again, of course, in hindsight especially, there's a lot I don't like on this. But, um, yeah, re- like... We when we were discussing this before, it was very much the early catalog, so that was the debate was very clear. Yeah. But yeah, if you're going to extend the the you know a wider net, then yeah, it's going to be more of a close discussion. But I still think that early rest is so strong that it's hard to not take it. But um, yeah, awake featuring the sick of it all's manager is the first thing on the victory catalog, um, pre victory records, but the first thing on the catalog. Inner Strength, Integrity, Billingsgate, you know, Insight, the very, the amazing Only the Strong comp. It's true. That is great. Yeah. But, again, the amazing Only the Strong comp is not better than the New York comp. No, not better. <laughs> but no. it's pretty you, You're saying it. You can just end your sentence right there. No, not better, period. But, yes. No, I don't know. I'm going to say almost like... I don't know. There's some pretty hard songs on this. <laughs> it's like a pretty cool comp. It's yeah. great, but you are, you have the two comps. You have together, and you have the way it is. And both. That's not better than either. No, it's not better than the way it is comp. But I don't know. I'm trying to look. Let me get the together track list down and do a side by side comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Where here's what we should discuss: both labels from say like '95 up. Who has the better catalog? That's a tough one. Uh, I'm going victory. But like, once again, not to like, if we're going to the present day, 100% revelation. But that's like, that starts with Bob Shedd kind of coming in and kickstarting like, you know, signing hardcore bands again and like, kind of like, you know, obviously Rev kind of people, other people getting at revelation afterwards and and continuing that trend. And why are there, there's some weird, like, it's 
This is very strange. I'm looking up um, the Rev thing, and I'm looking in like the late 90s, and it's got like Converge records in here. I'm like, why does it have Converge? What? Yeah, it has like When Forever Comes Crashing and from 98, but it's clearly an Equal Vision record. I don't know why it's throwing Maybe it Maybe they were doing there. distribution for Equal Vision at that point? Could be. And that's, how just like, it's, that's how it's on the cog somehow? Yeah, I'm just like, why is that on there? Or like, this is weird. Because even like, I'm like, they put out an Ink and Dagger record? I'm like, no, they didn't. No. And no, they did. They actually did put out a 7-inch. Oh, okay. For the experiments in Nocturnal Sound and Energy in 98. I forgot about that. Yeah, I totally forgot huh. about that, too. I'm not an Elliot fan. so I, No, me, me either. No, I agree. So. Although many people are. And many that, people are. I, I lived through it. I know how many there are. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that would be like a... No, it's know. not the same. Yeah, and I think like the fact that we have Satisfaction is the Death of Desire which we've already established is yeah you know probably the most influential like m- moment changing even people that hated that record reacted to it in yep, a way you know agreed. so it's uh you know the the fact that they have that record I don't think there's anything on Rev that came out during that period that had that kind of impact on worlds of punk and hardcore no agreed uh, to that level certainly either I do think, though, I think Elliot is a good mention in the sense that it was a big, mm-hmm. like the people that love that group love that group, mm-hmm. but it's not quite the same thing for me. It's certainly not punk, I'll say that much. Um, yeah, like, and also, like, let's be, you know, uh, <laughs> are, you, are you including the year 1995 for a victory? Well, I'm just thinking 95-4. What's okay, 95, though? Because 95... You've got, uh, um, you've got, uh, the, what the fuck is this? Uh, anyway, you've got the One Life Crew record, right? Lyrics, terrible, but music. (laughs) Uh, you've got All Out War. You've got the Destroy the Machines came out. You have Integrity Systems Overload. You have yep. Snapcase Steps. Once again, I'm not the biggest Snapcase fan in the world, but, like, pretty important record. Yeah, uh, I'm not, that one doesn't get included for me. All due respect. Just, uh, well, you know, but I still think you can you can definitely see that that record had an impact. No, no, yeah. Everyone I talk to is into that record that likes that band. I, yeah. I've never been a fan of that record. But, um, yeah. And then you have uh, Bloodlet, Dead Guy, Fixation on the Coworker. Yeah, that's a big one. And Integrity 10-inch. Yeah, you know, all in 1995. No, I think I might be on board with the 95 up argument. Well, not to present, but 95 to like 2000. Yeah, 2000. That's when I'm like, I you could even cut it off beforehand, but I just picked 2000 as a round number. Because then, Chris, like 96, you've got, and I know for you this is a big one, Path of Resistance. You've got. Yeah, I love it. But for you, you're the one who's for both of us. You're well, the one now that I sold out, it can't it can't have as much. <laughs> Yes, but what I, I mean know. to say is, like if it was I a scored that record, but record. about all the friends getting together about smoking cannabis. <laughs> now I would be really into it, and like on the back cover, it's just like a bunch of people, like with balaclavas on and like, like right, bandanas, yeah. but with like bongs. AKA, oh, that yeah. <laughs> what I was gonna say is, um, for the listener, why I say what I say, which is a funny little friendship anecdote here, is that I scored 
an original copy of this record off of a bandmate of Damien's, and he <laughs> aggressively, pretty much for me scoring it the second I scored it, aggressively <laughs> traded for me to get it immediately. That's why it was like you saying, I love it. You you actually basically pried it out of my hands at one time. <laughs> yeah, I, I was yeah, definitely, when I wanted a record, there was a certain relentlessness to it me. Yes. But yeah, no, no, it was, was definitely fun, one of the best yeah. records of all time, but I cannot enjoy it in the same way. I should probably, you know, trade it back to you now because <laughs> you, either way, you will enjoy it now on a level that I can't understand it. I have it. I got, I, I ended up getting another original copy of it. Yeah. I'm oh, good. okay. Well then, uh, there you go. Uh, Warzone. Another uh, one, another one we're forgetting. This is a big one for me because this record is amazing. In Cold Blood, Hell on Earth from 98. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going, I'm saying that's a killer record too. Yeah. There's also the Refused record, you know, like. Yeah, the one before. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. There's, there's some like real big stuff on this label. Like. No, you're, you've, yeah, you've got me on the 95 up argument. Well, yeah. whatever. 2000, whatever. Yeah, like, you, and, you know. Like, like there's what, some bad victory. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, objectively, like, all due respect. I, there's a lot I don't like here, but. I like. There's a lot I really like. Yeah, yep. I never. Like even that, like the Scarhead record is amazing. The Scarhead <laughs> like, record is fucking incredible. Like it really is. Like and so the Blood for Blood some, stuff is fucking yeah, blood pretty for blood. awesome. Agreed. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. The even the uh, even the like Damnation AD seven inch they put out is fucking sick. That's more your thing, but yeah, I uh, I can acknowledge that it's uh, it's the. Whatever it's it's like you worthy. I wonder what the point is where you're like, like Victory always had weird records though, so it's not like there was like a real point where you're oh, like, yeah. oh, what's going on here, guys? You're right. It's about two thousand though. It's like you got two thousand. You have, um, um, you have that uh, uh, like a what is it here? I just passed it. That bizarre like shelter like kind of reunion record. Yeah. And then you have like that crazy Earth Crisis like going for it record, but it's af- I think that was after the major label one. Yeah, they did, which was and this one is far worse than the major label one. Um, you have a Judge Judge seven inch in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, which I also didn't realize Victory put out. But then see like two thousand, like they did like <laughs> Cockney Rejects. Oh, like a reissue of the like Cockney Rejects, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like what? Like holy bizarre! Like truly bizarre label. Like, yeah, you got the buried alive though. Like up until that point, you got yeah. like up until that point is still like still pretty good. And then yeah, something happens. Yeah, yeah, it's a wow. Is the shelter voices fire split on the label? Oh, it's a promo tape. <laughs> Apparently, but yeah, you're. Uh... Your ninety-five to two thousand argument is very strong, and I'm I. I I'm going to side with you on the victory side on that one. Yeah, like I wonder but, where it is that, you know, you could say that Rev overtakes victory. I mean, victory overtakes Rev, I should say. You know, because like I, I now will concede, you know, yes, the first 10 are fucking better on Revelation than they are on victory. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, the victory first 10 aren't like, it's not like they're a terrible label in the beginning. Like, They've oh, got some yeah, pretty yeah. strong releases right out of the gate. But yeah. there must be a point where there's a switch where you can be like, okay, Rev Rev can't catch up. And is it that 1995 year? or is it, No, it ha- must happen no, it's, sooner. It's probably a little earlier, but it's 90, because I'm looking where I start to fall off. 
is around 92, 3-ish. There's a yeah. few little things, but it for me, it I, that's where I start to kind of come out. Although, eh, no, because they... Well, the Civ record came out on a major label. It also came out on their label on vinyl, I guess. But, yeah, so, I don't know. They got the odd one. Yeah, it's, it's not, like, a terrible label. Like, they had Kissing no, Goodbye, no. you know? Like, it yeah, was never, yeah, like, yeah. a terrible label. But, no, like, agreed, yeah. they did have, yeah, like, the, the period where they weren't signing, you know, the, the, the amazing bands they were signing early on and the bands they've been signing in the last, sort of, decade plus, two decades. Yeah. Again, like for me, it's just sonically I wasn't as into it. It's not to say that, you know, for me, I just don't think it's sonically in like the early whatever, what that label was known for. So that was more my kind of gripe or whatever you want to say. But, mm -hmm. um, and that's why I like the kind of the, the sort of knucklehead era of the victory stuff to a degree. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. Uh, I think it might happen in 1991, 92. They don't really. They put a one. They put a nice burn seven. It's the only thing they put out in 1991. So, it does not happen in 1991. Yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it's like one, one yep. release. It's like, yeah, this is all the world needs from us this year. <laughs> uh, it's a good single, though. I'm not. I'm not just talking the single, but. Yeah. Well, the joke here would be that it probably took the whole year to listen to the one song on that seven inch <laughs> because it's probably. 365 days long maybe? yeah exactly they put out they went in deep but i guess 1993 would be the point yeah around there earth exactly. crisis firestorm snapcase looking glass self exactly yeah and uh only the strong only the strong uh, warzone live yeah it actually is it's 93 because they both start with warzone yeah <laughs> like basically it's like, oh, it's 93. Okay, does Warzone start this off again? Yep, here we yeah. go. Warzone. Warzone made the jump. Warzone was like the... the uh, Warzone could tell which way the wind was blowing. <laughs> like, yeah, they true. had been on a major label and they had done some weird stuff. <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah. they were like, at this point, they were like, okay, we're back. And we're not going to go back to Rev. <laughs> There's these new guys in town. And that's where we're going to take this party. Yep. Yeah, so it's around 93. I think you got a good argument. Rev... Beginning to 93, and then 93 to 2000-ish, I would say, is victory territory in that debate of them versus one another. And then it's some, I don't know when it then flips back, but yeah. It's kind of like wrestling with WCW versus WWE. <laughs> WWE I, after the time. You know, it's like, fitting, that analogy. It actually really is. I do it, like, it overtakes it for a little bit, but then ultimately, like, Rev yeah. comes back and... and, and you know, crushes it with it, its relevancy compared to some of Victory's weirdness. Well, yeah, and I think it just became, they became very, very different things ultimately. Like, you know, they, they were just signing, well, they were signing different kind of bands, but they were also signing bands, like, of the era. One of them was really kind of seemingly going for, like, a really, really big commercial um whatever you want to say, like like reaching, trying to reach that commercial thing. I don't know if Rev, I mean, I'm sure every record label tries to a degree, but like, you know, there's nothing, I don't know. Like I just remember, to, again, back to touring in the early 2000s, adjacent to some of these, the, the records, like the bands that Victory were putting out, it was like insane, some of the groups that I was like seeing them put out that would explode. Mm -hmm. And it was just stuff that was just nothing like 
the era we're discussing here. Yeah, like, of course, even with the era, sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, the era that we're saying they become irrelevant is when they become massively successful. Exactly, yeah. And that's the irony. To people like you and I, yeah, that's the case. Mm -hmm. But it's, yeah, and it's, I don't know, I commercially or whatever, you know, who's to say who's wrong here, but I, I just, I didn't vibe with any of that stuff personally. But, um, and they always put out, they always did take shots on stuff and they always had like weird releases, but, um, I don't know. It got very weird, <laughs> probably about like 2000 up. Like it just started getting crazy. Yeah. Like there's this like, like new label they have, I guess. And, uh, it's like a, uh, it's like a pop punk label. It's called Mutant League. Oh, I don't even know. Okay. And uh, there's like, I don't know. It's really weird. There's like, uh, like like it's just like Homegrown's on it. What's okay. the same Homegrown? Like the California pop punk band. I don't know. Maybe. And a band called Crywank. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and Movie Life is on there too. Oh, it's like they've weird. got all these sub labels. Huh. Another Victory Inc. They put it a day to remember. Yeah, I don't oh, know. That's their publishing I... arm. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're winding down on this topic now. I think we've. Yeah, I think we are. I think, I think you can hear the air <laughs> leaving the balloon right now. Yeah. With this one. But that was a hot topic for a while. Yep. Pun intended. Pun All right. totally intended when you talk about victory. <laughs> uh, I guess that's it. Should, that, is that, should we want to get to any Kevin Drew stuff or. I don't know. I think we should wrap. Because I think we we mined that enough, but if you want it, I don't know. If no, you we'll want see. to talk about some, sure. No, we'll see. You can save it for another day because I, I feel he didn't really get a footnotes. No, like I mean, sort of... we can certainly. Yeah. And actually, nor did Freddie Alva too, for that matter. But we kind of talked about that a little bit. Like there was some, I'm sure, yeah. other stuff we could get to for both those episodes. But Chris, this is a long one. Yeah. So we should we should probably let people uh, move <laughs> yeah. on with their lives and stop yeah, worrying exactly. about victory versus revelation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally um, well everyone thank you for joining us in the protective bubble where things like victory or rev becomes important that we like to call turn it a punk footnotes uh, yeah we please, just figured it out though was that we did figure <laughs> we it out we did figure it out yeah yeah we did I think that's the thing is like we've now finally we've put that one to bed I think so personally I think so like like no one now that I said that, someone's going to come with an email. But, like, I really, <laughs> I, I will accept arguments. Like, both Chris and I, I think, will accept arguments. But, like, you know, as assured as we are that Off the Disc is the greatest hardcore record label of all time, <laughs> we are assured that we have now cracked the Rev Victory <laughs> debate. <laughs> I have no comment on that, but it's amusing. Dude, go, well, next time we get on the show, we'll go through the discogs of that. That is an incredible catalog. Yes, of course. Infest. Yeah. Dude, it's not even like Infest, Sleep, uh, Morbid Angel. Yeah. Uh, like it's, it's, it's... Those last two aren't hardcore bands or punk bands, but go on. But, but like the fact that he came next to hardcore and punk. Yes, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the fact that they've got that root there, you know? Anyway. Yeah. We can get onto this next. This is a topic for another day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Next week on the show, we've got a, an amazing episode. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, it's 
one of my favorite bands, a band that I don't know, uh, Chris, n- you know, not as not a big an impact on your life as they had on mine. No, uh, yeah. but I think they had a big impact on a lot of other people's lives, and that is Blake from Jawbreaker will be on the show next week, and uh, you know, Chris, even if you're not the biggest Jawbreaker fan, I think you, I, I don't think I know you're a fan of some of the stuff he talks about of all the stuff. Oh, he talks sure, about. yeah, yeah. I don't like. I'm not saying it to be like a cool guy that's like you know making a point to say i'm not a fan of the group i just i've never i've never been that guy so it's just i it's it's like a uh it just never hit me yeah and it's not to say i think they're i don't feel i don't feel they're a bad band i just never never got into it i get it but you're gonna get into it next week buddy all right oh you better believe it um (laughs) that is next week on the show Uh, how do they get in touch with us here chris if they want to send us an email uh, they can reach us at turnedoutapunkfootnotes at gmail.com, and I welcome your bizarre theories on Rev versus Victory. Um, and you can find me on various forms of social media <clears throat> at Left for Damien. I, too, welcome your uh, bizarre theories about Rev versus Victory <laughs> and any other things you want to talk about of that nature. I've had a pretty active timeline the last couple of days. In, in, thanks to the Stormy <laughs> King episode. I'm going to say this is the most controversial episode we've ever had. Um, you think? I don't think so. Well, just because of this thing. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, you know, this is the this is the hot debate this week on my timeline. Um, <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and I think that's that's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if you want to follow Chris on social media, you can follow him at at Mind Your Own Damn Business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, if you would like to send us a message at Facebook, my brother Tristan Abraham, show producer, runs yes. a Facebook page. Send him messages. He's been killing it with guest booking lately. Yes. Um, you can imagine that Brody King was one of my bookings, but he's he's got a lot of people, and more keep coming. And uh, yeah, it's gonna. It, Chris knows. Chris knows what's coming up. I know how important uh, your brother is to this operation, and I think he's a lovely human being. So yes, props always. Yeah, and so we've got Blake next week, um, and then we've got a couple that I think are going to. Uh, you know, be kind of surprises for people. Yeah, I think so. So, anyway, that's in the near future. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.